Hello. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Kim. Welcome to season five, episode one of the Massive Fans Book Club podcast. <laughs> Today we kick off a court of silver plays by Sarah J. Mass. So happy. And we will start today with chapters one through three. Now, I know we told you guys initially it would be one through six, but here's the thing. Kelsey and I got talking and the more and more we realized, well, the more and more we talked, we realized that, you know, maybe it's because we know these characters so well and we love them so much that we have a whole lot more to say. Um, So, yeah, you'll get chapters four through six next time. Yeah, we just had like a shit ton of audio. <laughs> and we just didn't have the heart to cut it all out because it's good stuff. <laughs> it is. And truly, like I said, we really, I don't think we thought, I, I know when I was doing the breakdown, I didn't think it would be like this. But, you know, once we started talking, we realized, and I really think it is, we know these characters now. We know who these people are. And it, it definitely has affected how much we have to say. And it feels so good to be back with characters that we know and love, but also it feels really fucking weird because of the perspective shift. <laughs> it it definitely is odd. You and I have talked about this offline, and I, I, I as I told you, I feel like you know we get we get to hear not only from Nesta's point of view, but we're going to hear from Cassian. And right, the problem with the Cassian chapters is I think. And, and I maybe I'm wrong, and and you know if y'all want to like lambast me, feel free. But I think part of the problem with why the Cassian chapters read a little weird is because Cassian she had created Cassian in such a way we all really kind of knew, loved, and appreciated Cassian for who and what he was, the way it was he was already written, yeah. and so the way he comes across in his own chapters just seems a little off. So. Like, I'm just now thinking this because we did talk about this offline and it did not occur to me until like this very moment as you were saying that. I think this is a good example of like people in the world who appear very confident and what their outward appearance looks like versus like their inward self-talk. Oh, absolutely. And I think I think that's actually what maybe a little bit we're experiencing. I, I agree um a hundred percent and i think the other thing that makes it weird is and it makes it a little challenging to get through the first couple of chapters in particular are we have to remember this is now from nesta's perspective but up to this point the primary story has come from pharah not nesta and so if we're not if you're not prepared to be in that mindset to know nesta does not really like reese She's madder and hell at Farah. She's not even happy with Elaine. I mean, yeah, there's going to be harder for us to handle. Definitely. And I think the other thing, and and we talked about this a little bit in the Discord. Don't forget, you can join us over on the Discord. There will be a link in the show notes. Uh, We briefly briefly talked in the Discord about how uh, I think that this is a really great example of that whole thing people say about how there's like what you say and what the other person says. And then like the truth is somewhere in the middle. Yes. Like, you know, there's two sides to every story, but the truth is somewhere in the in between. Uh-huh. I think that's kind of what we're witnessing here. And I think we didn't have to face that so much 
when we first read Akatar and Akamath, we started to realize that in Akawar. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, but in, in Akatar and Akamath, we kind of just took it as she is the narrator. Right. But then by Akawar, we realized that she is, but it's still only one perspective, which means it's skewed and we're missing things. Well, and I think, and I, I just realized this. I don't know why it didn't occur to me. In a way, we've been getting Reese's perspective. Right, right. We've been getting it as they talk down the bond. Right. So it's not obvious that it's Reese's perspective. It's still coming through as Farrah's perspective, but it's Reese coming through Farrah's perspective that way. Absolutely. And so it's not that we're not getting another character's perspective and his way of telling the story. We're just not getting all of it. Right. Right. So, and, and, and yeah, I think that is interesting to like, just, I don't know, to have in the back of your mind when you're reading, because we also talk about, and we're going to kind of just get this out of the way at the beginning before we dive into the chapters and really talk about what happens in them. Uh, this feels a little weird coming in and it's not because we're not excited to be here and it's not because the story isn't fun. Like I said to Kim, I feel like it, you know, sped past me so fast versus, you know, Crescent City. It took me 700 pages to get to the point. And <laughs> here we are, I feel like on chapter six and by chapter five, I'm already like committed and feel like I know where we're going, you know, right. which is crazy. <laughs> um, but the weird part is, is coming in the timeline. Kim and I, we, we talked a lot about the timeline when we were in Akatar, Akamath, Akawar. We talked about how all of these things had happened back to back to back, one on top of the other, and like so little time had passed. And then a little bit of time passed and we got Akafas, and now we are in a time jump yeah. that we haven't really experienced in this series before. Correct. Correct. It definitely makes it more challenging, I think, for us to Right. It, it feels a little different. Yes. 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 Absolutely. Well, because for the first time, we're really kind of alluding to things that we don't actually have any background on. Uh, obviously, we'll get into that as we're talking about the chapters. But when we start talking about kind of like the buildup of emotions of how we get to what happens in chapter two. Right. Chapter one actually doesn't give you any of the motivations in ch for chapter two. No. Chapter two is based off of things that we don't see. Right. For the most part, the for the most part. I mean, obviously little pieces of it we do, but not, not to the extent we're used to, for example, with like Crescent City, where by the end things were happening based on beginning the book, you know? <laughs> right. Which we're all like, oh dear God, are we ever going to get there? And boy, when we got there and I, right. I know. Versus, I yeah. Hang on, it's coming. It's coming. Hold yeah. on. <laughs> but yeah, versus here, we're already having big this is in fairness i will say it's a little bit like the beginning of crescent city in that we get that big time jump at the beginning of crescent city where we go through like two or three chapters and then we get that massive time jump it's yes. a little bit like that we are picking up silver flames a little bit with a time jump between akafas and where we're picking up in silver flames and that's the chunk that we're missing that we don't really know what happened and that's why it's like oh wow tensions are high but we kind of missed the part where we went from zero to a hundred we're just already at a hundred 
Well, I don't think we were at zero in Akafas, but I think maybe we were at twenty twenty five percent. Now we're at a right, exactly, exactly. Which so it just feels like a very right fast takeoff. Uh, I have more to so, say about it, but I'll go into some of that later. Exactly, we'll get into it in the chapter. But some of this we've had briefly, very, very briefly. We'll hope we'll do more as we get farther into the book. We've briefly touched on a few of these things in the Discord. Like I said, check out the show notes. You can find how to join us over there. And a shout out to Kelsey Lynn and Michelle. I'm going to mess up your last name. I'm sorry. In a way. And you for chatting with us. <laughs> In a way. I'm pretty sure. But but yeah, so it's been fun. It's been super fun to to kind of grab people's thoughts in there. Um, and I yeah. think that basically what we were saying about this interesting perspective shift and this time shift is a little bit what we were talking about in that section in the discord uh that was kind of the overarching everybody was like excited um everybody's excited for the house um, <laughs> everybody wants to live there i really don't i'll take the townhouse <laughs> i know i'm weird it's fine it's fine but yeah so join us in the discourse so we can have fun conversations and so you can see me give you my notes before we record in gift form <laughs> And everybody else can be as just as entertained as I am on a pretty regular basis. <laughs> yes, I used to send these to Kim. Now I'm just putting them in the Discord for anybody to see. Because <laughs> we love you. <laughs> so, good times, good times. <laughs> yes. But please remember that, as always, everyone, this podcast is not for little ears. Especially no, no, this no. book. Especially this book. Yeah. Which yeah, like I can already tell. <laughs> I, as, as Kelsey made fun of me on social media for saying when I was doing the chapter breakdown, I literally looked up at her at one point and went, "Oh God, this gets really spicy really fast." I totally <laughs> forgot. Uh, Whoa! <laughs> yeah, um, unless you really want your child to hear that conversation. Maybe yeah. you don't want them listening to this. Just a thought. Totes. Totes. At least I'm lucky. My right. that age of mom. That's gross. I don't want to hear about that with you. <laughs> and mine can only say like six words. So we're not really there yet. <laughs> mine right now is like, I don't know. I caught three words in there. It doesn't matter. Oh. <laughs> We'd be more concerned if it was a visual medium. <laughs> But as an audio medium, uh, not so bad. Uh, <laughs> she was very happy to see me on video chat earlier this week. Yes, yes, she was. All right, let's kick this thing off. I think we've got a good intro. I think everybody knows where we're going. We're here! Okay, but there's like this little weird preface thing before chapter one. It, it's just like two pages of stuff. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, so yeah, it, yeah, I guess it's a little longer. Well, I don't know, maybe in a physical book. I'm back to reading on the Kindle, guys. It's so much easier to take notes. <laughs> it really is. And it's a lot easier to yeah. carry it with you, too. Exactly. Um, it is, it's, it's, it, it really is a flashback to what happened in Highburn with the cauldron. Right. But... 
I also think not only is it this flashback to that, it's almost like it's a bad nightmare. Almost, somewhere between being a nightmare and a memory for Nesta. and Nesta. It really kind of sets things up in a way, but it it's not as clear as we would like. Uh, yeah, no, I'll second that, that I think it is somewhere between a memory and a nightmare. Um, I also think, I also think that sometimes, uh, like, obviously we're reading this a, a couple years after it was published and there's the internet and, you know, chat rooms and boards and like, we're doing a podcast and yada, yada. And I think the difference too is I think probably this reads a lot more exciting and interesting and like, Ooh, mystique. If it like got published yesterday and you bought your copy and you just sat down and opened it. Um, <laughs> and you're like, oh, it's from Nesta's perspective, you know, versus like we all walked in already knowing this. <laughs> True. And I will say this, I've said it before in previous episodes for other books. I've never been a Nesta fan, like not a huge one. This book was kind of hard for me to get into at first for a long time because it's from Nesta's point of view and I still kind of stand by the fact that she's a bit of a snot-nosed bitch and we will get more into that as the story progresses for a while however by the end of the book I'm not going to tell you she's totally redeemed herself in my eyes and I think she's like the most awesomest character but I feel for her, I empathize with her, and I get her a whole lot more, and I understand where she's coming from. So if you are like me and you're not like a rah, 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 Nesta person, which is okay, um, just know it, it, it does get better. It does change. You do start to, I think once you really start to understand her and understand her motivations, I think she becomes more likable. Sure. Well, and I will give you that even like in this chapters one through six, like she's not (laughs) by any means likable. Right. But we get enough background into her to realize how much of her outward bitchiness, like for every ounce that she puts out into the world, she has already given to herself. Yes. Like part of the reason she is so mean to everyone is because she is so mean to herself. And I, I mean, well, we find out more about it, but I I really think a lot of that has to do with childhood trauma and trauma. We haven't learned about or seen yet um, that you will learn about and see in the book. So I just think it's, like I said, I end up sympathizing, empathizing, and liking her more. I will never probably be a big, huge Nesta fan. However. That's okay. Those people, like you and all of those people, I feel for that. Because I feel that way coming out of Crescent City for Bryce. I don't care. (laughs) She is like net neutral for me. (laughs) Fair. I end this book on the more sympathetic side of net neutral for Nesta. Sure. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm but, not totally neutral. I'm not totally ambivalent. Um, sure. I'm definitely rooting for her, but not like, I mean, and, and I say this and okay, you guys, I'm sorry. I know we're going off, but you know, we have talked about the whole Elaine thing and I am a firm believer of still Rodders run deep 
with Elaine. And I really think, I really think at some point, whenever we get her story, it's going to be quite eye opening. And I'm curious. God, I hope so. I'm curious. <laughs> I am curious to see what happens. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I, I could be wrong. I admit that. I hope I'm not because I think there is potential there that I would love to see explored. So we'll see. I want to be as close to her as I am by, as I am by Nesta. Sure. But it doesn't even matter that it's from Nesta's perspective because chapter one is from Cassian's perspective. Like it starts in his perspective and it's fucking funny guys. It's fucking funny. This man, this man who like would not bat an eye walking into a room of like a hundred people who want him dead, right? He would be fine, is terrified to knock on Nesta's door. <laughs> yep. Poor guy. He's a little um uncomfortable on the mission he has been sent on. Yes, yes. Yes. Uh, yes. And I, I appreciate a little bit of the insight. We're, so Kim and I had talked offline ahead of time. We're not going to dive too deep into these chapters because there's just not a lot to pick apart here. It's pretty, uh, you know, play by play. Just read it. <laughs> um, there are a few things in like chapter two and, and like four and, you know, so right. far that are and a little you want to pick it apart that like we have things to say. On Discord. That's why we went to Discord. So... <laughs> Right. But like chapter one is pretty play by play. Um, chapter one. Yeah, we could pretty much sum up chapter one as uh, what I also put in the discord, which is I thought I had already read this. Right. I was like, am I insane? Did I make this up in my head? Why does this play out exactly like I assumed it would? That's because two years ago I read it at the back of <laughs> um, <Akifaz. laughs> Yeah. So I had, in fact, read it before. But that being said, I still think my statement is true, which is this kind of goes exactly like you think, which is, like I said, he's not afraid of anything, but he is afraid to knock on Nesta's door. And he's here on a mission, not really of his own volition. And he gives us a few little tidbits while he's standing here, not knocking on her door. Um, He kind of just briefly is mulling over in his head like he doesn't know why she has to live here, i.e. this slummy, slummy, slum, slum. And he does understand a little bit why she doesn't want to live some of the other places, why she doesn't want to live in the house of wind. It's too far from the city. Why she doesn't want to live like up Reese and Feyre's butt at their house. Like, you know, like he's kind of acknowledging that like the the alternatives really aren't probably feasible. (laughs) So he kind of understands why she doesn't live in those places, but she, he doesn't understand why she lives here specifically. Well, he does put out there that the townhouse is now open. Nobody's living in the townhouse. Right. Right. Which is, which is a fairly to my understanding. And that's why the timeline thing is a little fishy um, or just like a little fuzzy. it seems that that's a fairly new development, correct? Well, yeah. Because remember, in yeah. the end of Akafas, Reese's present to Feyre was the land on the Sidra to build a house. You know, build it however she right. wants. And the one thing we discover in this chapter is, is that they have, and it's quite the manor house slash estate, 
and sure. it is probably four or five times bigger than the townhouse ever was space wise um and that's okay uh but the townhouse is definitely it's now kind of sitting there unused and he says that you know recent favor pointed out that any of them can use it Sure. I think the unspoken thing there too, though, is he's using his like common sense, which is right, but it's open to any of them. And like, let's be real. Nesta doesn't want a roommate. Um. Where is that? (laughs) So I think, I think the underlying thing that's interesting here is that Cassian's kind of playing um, like the good guy, right? Where he's not necessarily saying, oh, she should be living with Feyre and they should be best friends. Oh, she should be living in the house of wind. Oh, she should be living. He's not really saying she should be living anywhere other than not fucking here. <laughs> right. I mean, she lives in the slum of Valaris. Not that Valaris really has any slums. I'm but sorry, it- but all I can ever think is that quote from that 70s show. I went to the, uh, uh, like, what, what did she say? Like, I went to the ghetto. And he's like, you mean that one house that needs to be painted? <laughs> yeah. That's basically where, where Nesta lives. That one house. Yes, that that's literally where be- Nesta lives. Okay? Because, spoiler alert, later we find out it's going to be fucking condemned, guys. <laughs> lols. But anyway, uh, finally, after he has told us all of this information in his head, he decides uh, he's wasted enough time. It's time to knock on the door. Knock, knock, knock. Maybe she'll be out. Silence. Yeah, great. She's not home. Footsteps. Fuck, she is home. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, she opens the door. Uh, she says exactly what you think she will, which is, what do you want? <laughs> so he does note she looks like hell. I found that yeah. interesting. So she, yeah, I guess that's fair. The fact that she looks worse is probably the shocking part. <laughs> Not that she looked, it's not just that she looks bad, it's that she looks even worse. (laughs) Right. But yeah, she's like, what do you want? (laughs) And uh, I think it's important to note that not only does she look worse, but it's like, does she look worse or are you just irritated as fuck because she answered the door in another man's shirt? (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. So, uh, but know. also it's like seven in the fucking morning. So like, don't we all look like shiznit at seven in the morning? <laughs> I do. I am no same so, princess at 7 a.m. Right. So like not to, to discount Cassian's, uh, you know, what he thinks he's seeing, which is that she's not doing well. She probably is, in fact, not doing well. But also, you literally caught somebody who clearly drinks nightly at seven in the fucking morning while she has company. And she doesn't fucking like you. So how good was she going to look? <laughs> Fair. Though I want to point something out just by looking at my notes again. We do get a bit of a time lapse. So Akafas ends on solstice which is christmas okay so december and he points out that he hadn't seen her in a month and the last time he saw her a month ago it was at the end of summer party on the barge uh on the sidra and that was a month ago so i'm gonna say we're probably looking at a passage of about nine months eight months we're probably in september at this point yeah yeah that feels right. So, 
Yeah. It is a bit of a time track. Because now we got to say, what the hell? What the hell happened in that time period? (laughs) Clearly nothing great. Uh, I mean, for Nesta. (laughs) But anyway, so... So she's looking like shit. And so he's all rough night. And I just want to note that internally he's like rough year, really. And like, ain't that the fucking truth? Like, same, Cassian, same. Because a year ago they were facing down Highburn. Yeah, okay. Maybe I wasn't facing down Highburn, but I'm just saying 22 has been fucking rough. Okay, 2022 has been a shit show. Anyway... So, like, same, Cassie and same. <laughs> it's been challenging, but I won't say it's been a total shit show. Okay, well, I'm I'm here for that. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, he's here to deliver a message, and that message is that Pharaoh wants Nesta at the house, to which Nesta has to quip about which one, which, again, fair, I mean... Yeah, they do kind of. I.e., which one is which house? Which house? Because apparently, Favor owns five. <laughs> yeah, but it's the new one. It's the new fancy schmancy one. And uh, yeah, well, so this is about to go. Why, well. why he's there and not Favor? Why? Why did Favor not come get her herself? Right, which is why I was like, mm, this goes about how you think it's going to go, which is she's going to be like, mm, Lele isn't fair here. And then Cassie's like, mm, shut the fuck up. She has other things to do. Yeah. Apparently, uh, you know, she's busy being high lady and shit. <laughs> but we do find out that on that boat, the, the, on the, at the end of summer party on the boat, Nesta and Amarin went from being friends to they don't speak anymore yeah so essentially cassian got the short straw and that's why he's here because yeah. nesta obviously if you remember the end of akafas nesta pretty much had pushed everybody away right like that did not like winter solstice did not go well well apparently neither does <laughs> summer solstice <laughs> And beyond. I mean, she had even gotten rid of the one real friend she had in the court. Right. Right. So, yeah. We do find out that. So, yeah. She's not thrilled for Feyre to be summoning her. But also, in fairness, that does kind of put a little question in our mind of like, well, what the fuck is she summoning her about then? You know what I mean? Because it's like, well, if it's been... It's been a month since that happened. And before that, it was like practically six months before we bothered to speak again. What... Like, what? <laughs> what are we doing, right? And anyway, he's here to say, like, okay, we're going to go meet uh, in a couple hours. Uh, you're expected at nine. It's seven now, right? So you're expected at nine. <laughs> She's like, okay, like, what? Like, what? I assumed if you were here, it was like an immediate thing. And he's like, well, she assumed you'd need some, like, time to get ready. And Nesta's like, oh, fuck. Like, what? You think, like, <laughs> you don't want me to show up? Look at that. And it's going to take me two hours, two hours to make myself present. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. she's going to my guess is he thought he was going to find her hung over and it was going to take two hours to get her like lucid. 
Bingo. <laughs> but she's not. She's just mean. Um, <laughs> she's mean and skinny because Cassian literally says to her, you look like you could use a few big meals, a bath, and some real clothes. I know. I'm like kind of shocked he said it. Like I, I could see thinking it. I'm just kind of surprised he said it. No, what I'm surprised he said is what he says next. <laughs> Kick out the sorry bastard, get washed, and I'll bring you some tea. Yup, because he knows that he I has like, an overnight visitor in her apartment. I like that it's softened by, and I'll get you some tea. Yep. Oh, what a mess. Uh, but I do love that, like, it goes on. Like, I, he doesn't just say this and you're like, okay, like, this is a thing. He's like, kick him out. Like, let's get our fucking shit together. Blah, blah, blah. No, it's actually fucking hilarious. He's like, you think I can't hear that male in your bedroom trying to quietly put on his clothes and sneak out the window? And then sure enough, like, there's some other things to discuss. But sure enough, like, that's exactly what's fucking happening. Like, this fucking dumbass is, like, back there, like, one pant leg on, like, arm through the head hole trying to, like, get his fucking shit together and out the window without breaking his neck. Like, it's as fucking ridiculous as Cassian says. <laughs> right. And then Nessa's finally, like, you know, she tries to brush him off fine i'll be there at nine and he's like no 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 i was told to see you door to door <laughs> i like a response go perch on a chimney <laughs> tell us how you really feel there nesta tell us yeah yeah so uh he does not before asking how she takes her tea with milk or lemon and i'm like there's only one fucking right answer to that but anyway uh, <laughs> disagree on that I know. That's why I said it. <laughs> I can't stand it that way. I know. It's like the weirdest thing. For the Angliophile that I am, I cannot stand putting milk in my tea. And I can't put lemon in it, but that's okay. Anyway, <laughs> she slams the door in his face. He clearly picked the wrong kind of tea. Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but she locks the four locks, and that's just noted because later she's going through things in her head and she like kind of talks about how no matter how drunk she is how fucked her night has been how she is blah 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 she always locks those locks like she is aware that she quote unquote lives like in the slums of right. Volaris right? right like she knows where she lives she knows what her uh what's a way to put it um more or less her reputation like you know what I mean she yeah. knows kind of what she knows that if there is somebody sketchy to come be knocking on doors, that she has basically invited sketch to her door, right? <laughs> but I have so, to say, I'm happy to know we go back to actual snowflakes in the story. Yeah, we do. We do. We got our real snowflakes back, not just like weird spaces where a snowflake probably was supposed to be. <laughs> or asterisks or something. But yes, no, it's something. very exciting. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So, uh, yeah, the weird fucker definitely, like, basically fell out the window trying to escape her. So, there's Don't that. Care. And then we get a snowflake. <laughs> um, so, now we're kind of, like, we sort of have switched perspective. Because now we're definitely, like, in Nesta. We were kind of doing, like, it was mostly from Cassian. Then it was Cassian and Nesta together. And now we're basically in Nesta's head. 
And uh, she's just kind of rolling her eyes about the fact that, like, yeah, that guy just really, like, fucking basically fell out my window because he's an idiot. Like, that's really what just happened to me. Like, I know how to pick him, right? <laughs> I like her comment. You can use the front door now. And the dude's yeah. like, I, is, is he still? It's like, seriously, dude, really? He already knew you were here. Yeah. So that's a good time. <laughs> But she's trying to get cleaned up and we do get this little look into her like perspective of just like what that entails. We talked about it a little bit back in Akafas, like Nesta can't even like take a bath, like just comfortably because of what happened with the cauldron. Exactly. And so she does kind of go through that in her head, like as she's getting cleaned up about, you know, how it had taken her months to be able to just like even get in the water. And she says, you know, she'd forced herself to face it down, had learned to sit in the icy water, uh, nauseated and shaking, teeth gritted, had refused to move until her body recognized that she was in the tub and not the cauldron, that she was in her apartment and not the stone castle across the sea, that she was alive, immortal, even though her father was not. And so then we kind of get this kick into she also carries a lot of guilt about their father dying that day back in Akawar. Right. But I find it interesting because she Most- knows really quick. She she does realize that she's been summoned because she's going to get a, as she puts it, a scolding from Feyre. And it probably has to do with the fact that her night out last night, she charged the entire crazy ass tab that she generated to her sister's bank yeah. account. Yeah. And all I could say is, if you're dumb enough to do that, like, I'm sorry, but you kind of have this coming. Yeah. And I think she sort of knows that. We'll get into that in chapter two. Yeah. Because chapter two definitely... It falls into, yeah, that's sort of why she got called in, but also that weird lapse of time and whatever the fuck happened there. (laughs) In the eight months that we don't know what the fuck happened. Yeah. 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 But it's interesting because, yeah, so she's mulling over all of that in her head. She's kind of flipping back. This is what I was saying about how she kind of has, like, (laughs) for lack of a better way to put it, like, bad self-talk, right? She's thinking about, like, oh, I'm going to get chewed up by my sister because I did dumb shit that was kind of dumb, but whatever. Fuck her. Well, fuck her because of everything that happened to me with the cauldron. Well, fuck all of that because I don't even care. I can't believe that, like, I'm alive and I'm immortal and our fucking dad is dead. And I can't believe that I even feel bad about that because I fucking hate him. But also that whole thing about how he said, I loved you from the first moment I held you in my arms. Like, what the fuck? Why would he say that and then fucking die? Like, she's got a lot going on in her head. She's got a little bit to unpack, yeah. Yeah. So there's just, like, a fucking lot here. And then we even get, like, the whole thing about how, basically, to like, she even acknowledges that, like, to deal with her trauma, she was just like, fuck you guys, I'm gonna go get my own apartment, and I'm just gonna do whatever I want. And then she even, like, Jesus, it's, like, a fucking lot. She even, like, that's why she, like, sleeps with the randos, because, like, we find out she has even more trauma, because remember that asshole she didn't marry? Well, thank God, because he was basically also a rapist. Like, it's a fucking lot. And she points out the only thing that drowns out all the noise in her head 
is the music at the taverns, the card games with strangers, the endless bottles of wine, and the sex that made her feel nothing, but offered a moment of release amid the roaring inside her. And I think, just to like sum that whole thought up too, she also acknowledges every damning thing Reeson thought about her was true and she'd known it long before he had ever shadowed her doorstep. So like, like I said, this is like, this is like a, like, I think it's interesting because like she is a fucking bitch, right? And she makes some stupid ass fucking decisions, right? But like the sheer amount of like just trauma listed out in chapter one. Like, Jesus. A therapist would have a field day with her. It's just interesting because I feel like chapter one, this is going to sound so messed up. I feel like chapter one reads like, and this is going to sound, like I said, it sounds so messed up, but it's like so true. It reads like your actual average female's version of like the unloading that was chapter 54 in fucking Akamath, right? Like Reese unloaded a bunch of shit in that, but it was like laced with romantic fucking book shit. Right. Versus like, this is like the legit normal unloading that like, like on TikTok, people talk about this where it's like, it's actually not that great. Like people think it's healthy to just be like, yeah, like I know I'm fucked up because X, Y, Z. And it's like, no, you need to get real help. Not just like vaguely acknowledge that. Like you need real help because like we as a society have a bad tendency, like young people particularly have a bad, like we just assume everybody's fucked, right? Like we'll just be like, yeah, I mean, I had X, Y, Z happen to me when I was a kid and then this happened and then this happened, but like, it's fine. Everything's fine. I'm fine. It's like, no, you're fucking not. And I feel like that's how chapter one reads is Nesta just being like, yeah, like a bunch of fucking shit happened. And yeah, like really fucking hate myself, but it's fine. And I wish everybody would leave me alone. I mean, I have like a lot of trauma about a lot of things that have happened recently, but don't fucking worry about it. And like, yeah, our dad is dead, but it's fine. Don't fucking worry about it. Just leave me alone. And like, also like nothing drowns out the pain. Like, wow. Okay. Yeah. Not only is it fine. I'm, I'm fine. I'm doing well. I'm handling it with, drugs with uh drink and uh cards and uh sex yeah it's like uh uh-huh now i do have to say and i had seen this float around the internet and i do sort of stand by that being true people pointed out that like everybody's offended by that because she's female and if she was a male character we wouldn't bat an eye and i do kind of agree that that's a little bit true i i i agree I think, like, I think if she were a man, people wouldn't be as bent out of shape about it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I had seen that argument floating around the internet, and I, I wasn't sure how I felt about it, because I was like, yes and no. And, like, I had seen both sides of the um, like conversation. But, like, now reading it and reading how it's getting portrayed, I definitely agree that, like, this loathing self-talk in a man generally people would be like oh poor baby versus we're not giving nesta that room you know what i mean yeah because we're like oh what a bitch right and then and then we'll get there in just a second but like where this goes in chapter two i definitely argue chapter two would not go down the way chapter two does if she were a man i agree with that too (laughs) anyway well we're getting ahead of ourselves anyway we got more loathing self-talk we're getting dressed (laughs) 
Cassian comes back. <laughs> he comes yeah. back. Uh, she has, a, he, you know, strolls in. She kind of has a moment where she's like, she kind of catches herself like watching him. And then she's like, I'm not surprised that he has a lot of admirers. I mean, like also I've seen him train. So I'm, uh, I repeat, I'm not surprised. Like, but I don't like him. <laughs> it's kind of dumb. <laughs> Cassian's looking around her place and her place is a fucking shit show and he's like have you ever thought about hiring a cleaner and she's like a why and he's just like because it fucking stinks in here you dumbass like it it's kind of hilarious uh yeah. he like tells her to crack a window and shit and she's basically like couldn't you just not come in here wouldn't that solve the problem <laughs> Yeah. And then he makes a snarky comment about the fact that he can smell multiple males in her room, in her apartment. And if he can smell it, they could smell it. And she's like, and your point is? Right. Which, again, is so interesting to me because I really, really feel like, and I don't blame Cassian because I don't think that's why he says it. Right. Right. But again, I, it's not like Cassian would say this to another fucking dude. Um, I don't know. He might. I mean, I could see him saying mm. it to Azrael. See, maybe. I don't know that I do because I don't, I don't, I think like dudes give other dudes that space to be like, eh, do what you want, man. Like, you know what I mean? No, Cassian's the kind, he's not a himbo, but. He is the kind, he's not, but he is the kind of guy that if he, if something like that were going on and, and all right, say as went down a bender where he's stopped really taking care of himself and keeping himself clean and he's sure. got women all over the place and they, he's not changing things. Like he's not cleaning up after all the different females are visiting him and having fun. Um, Yeah. Cassie would say something to him. He'd call him out for I it. Don't, in fairness, and he even acknowledges this. I think it's in chapter four. No, he would now. Yes. Younger him wouldn't have. Well, yeah, but I'm not talking about younger him. I'm yeah. talking about. No, but I'm just saying like that was an example. Like, I just think it's interesting that like, I don't think most men would say that to another man. You know what I mean? Certainly not one in their 20s or 30s. Yeah. Well, in the older ones, it would depend on the relationship, I think, too. I mean, my husband has no problem calling out close friends or family when they do stupid shit. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I just think it's interesting. I, I, yeah. Anyway. But yeah, they do talk about that. And she's like, well, it hasn't stopped anybody yet. So. <laughs> so like real winners she's been inviting over, obviously. <laughs> yeah. She knows how to. My pick- favorite part is. That as they leave, he's like, get your coat. It's fucking cold outside. And she's looking around like a doofus looking for it. And he's like, it's on the ground by the front door. <laughs> and you're going to want a scarf because it's cold. And he hands one to her. No, it's so funny. Oh, man. And like, he, she doesn't get the scarf. She like pulls, you know, like a four-year-old. She's like, I'm not getting a coat and a scarf. And he like basically fucking makes her put her coat on and then goes against the scarf. You're like fuck you, bitch! You're gonna wear this. So I think that's funny. Well, uh, like, you know, how old but what's interesting? 
<laughs> I know, right? I know, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> but what I think is interesting is that she does note that like something is clearly eating at him. And right. she doesn't know if it's just the fact that like he's had to come get her or if like there's something fucking weird about like she's assuming that the reason she's going over there is basically just to get chewed out about the bill. But like, is there more to it? Like, what is this? And she just can tell that like something is not fucking right. Right. And then she thinks, oh, maybe it's there's there's a threat of some kind or maybe they right. finally heard back from the human queens and she talks about you know what bitches they are because they sold out the blonde queen and killed her yep, yep. and then sold vasa off to a sorcerer and the youngest queen how much she hates nesta because after nesta was in the cauldron she jumped in basically in the cauldron turned her into an old hag yep Yep, like she deserved. Yeah. I don't feel bad about that at all. But yeah, she's like, fuck, I don't know what this is about. And then we get a snowflake. And then we go to the riverfront house. Yes. Which, as she said, is really an estate. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell you, I... <laughs> The first time I read this, I kind of had some weird, like, antebellum foyer. I'm so glad you said that, because me too. <laughs> okay. It's not just me thinking we have an antebellum foyer in the, the front, right? You walk in the front door and there's this no. antebellum foyer? Okay. Fucking same. That's totally how I thought of it. So I'm like, okay, maybe it's me. Okay, so there's something the way it's written that made us think that. I can't imagine we both just happened to think that but then again it's you and me what do do we know i mean it does say that there is a mighty staircase that bisected the enormous space and that chandelier of hand-blown glass okay i mean i can imagine it and that means you have a staircase that's wrapping up and around right so it that is pretty common in right yeah antebellum homes and we get a long description about the rugs and like the wallpaper and the stuff but the important part is is to like note that even even nesta who doesn't fucking like these people right notes in her head that somehow despite all of this ornate like gaga nonsense somehow they managed to make this place seem cozy welcoming a behemoth of a building, but still a home. Yep. It's enough to make you think. I just isn't thought it? that was Yeah. Yeah. But she also And talk- also I think that's like a little piece of like the townhouse, you know? The townhouse always is described as feeling like so homey. So the fact that they were able to like translate that here a little bit. I love it. I mean I- I'm fascinated by that. Um Yeah. She does acknowledge that Cassian is even more unnaturally quiet, not himself. Um, mm-hmm. But she's also noticing all the art and she realizes, you know, even her father has a portrait that Favor painted, but there's nothing of her. Nothing. Well, it's interesting because she realizes it's not just her. There's nothing of her or their mother. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure so that's, I don't know. Just 
Yeah, just stick that in the back of your head. <laughs> well, because it says Elaine and Feyre had been doted on by their father. Nesta, prized and trained by their mother. Not doted on, not favored, yeah. but prized and trained. And I'm just like, oh, this is going to set us up for some crazy ass fucked up shit, isn't it? Yeah, there's a reason why in the Discord I said I, I posted a gif of Mother Gothel. Oh, <laughs> <From> dangled. <laughs> I was like, this is their mother now. <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very much. And I mean, she follows Cassie into whatever room he's going to. He opened the door and somebody's like, oh, you're five minutes early. Yeah. <laughs> This is like where it already starts to be a fucking shit show because basically it's like everybody had bets on if they'd be late because Nesta's a fucking bitch. Like, okay, this is really how we have to start this conversation. <laughs> but apparently the answer is yes. And, uh, you know, Nesta, you know, Cassian's response isn't any better because he's like, hey, it seems like a good omen for gambling. We should go to Rita's. <laughs> And poor Nesta is just like, okay, can we like get to the point? <laughs> and then she realizes they're in the study. And in the study are Farah and Resand and Cassian. Yep. yep. And Amran. <laughs> Which <laughs> she's realizing feels like a few too many people to just yell at me about my bill from yesterday. <laughs> Although we are going to do that. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Farrah says, I heard you had quite the night. <laughs> uh, yeah. And Amron's only comment is, you look atrocious. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it just... Uh, you know, it, the whole thing, I mean, it just deteriorates. And, and you know, then Amron continues harping on her going, you know, I bet it's hard to look good when you're out till the darkest hours of the night drinking yourself stupid and fucking anything that comes your way. See, and this is the, the like I said, we'll get to the point of all of this towards the end of the chapter chapter two but like this is what i'm talking about where i just don't really honestly believe anybody would necessarily be saying this about a man i agree a hundred percent and i think that's like kind of what like i'm not saying nesta's right i'm not saying that nesta's behavior isn't a trauma response and like needs to be looked at I'm just saying that I'm shocked that it's coming off so judgy. And she kind of does say that. She kind she says I'm not aware that my activity I wasn't aware that my activities were under your jurisdiction. Right. But <laughs> which Cassian's just basically like settle down everybody. <laughs> Cassian's like, "Oh, shut the fuck up. Oh my god, shut the fuck up. We're going to die. Like, please don't make this worse than it is." <laughs> but no, Amory charges into the breach, and her comment is, they are when you spend that much of our gold on wine. <laughs> so, it is sort of about the bill. <laughs> so, you know, Nesta's like, so you made me come all the way out here to scold me, and Feyre's like, this isn't a scolding. Think of it as a discussion. 
And Nesta's like, my life is not your concern or up for any discussion. And Reese's only response is to snarl at her and tell her to sit down with full command. And you're like, oh, shit. (laughs) Which she does try to ignore. And she says, like, you're not my high lord. You don't give me orders. But she can't help it. She does actually (laughs) listen because, well, that's what Faye do when they're in the fucking room with the fucking high lord. So... (laughs) Well, because I like his response. You want to go head to head? We've got plenty of space out there for a brawl. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> and maybe we would if Pharaoh wasn't like, okay, everybody shut the fuck up and sit down. I told everybody to keep their fucking mouths shut. <laughs> and everybody's like, sorry, Pharaoh. <laughs> she pulls the mom card. <laughs> yeah, she says you can either leave or you can stay and keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Whoopsies. <laughs> But she doesn't just say it to Reese. No, no, no. She also tells Amron the same thing. Which I find interesting. Yeah, like, like ballsy move. (laughs) Let's face it. Sarah, just, I'm not, I'm not expecting her to be ballsy enough to do that to Amron. I'm really not. Have all her powers anymore, right? True. (laughs) Safer now than it used to be. (laughs) True. Very true. But she then she does do the make nice nice where she's like, we need we need to make some changes, Nesta. You do, and we do. And this is where we remember that Fair is not so good at the like words putting into sentence doing. Yeah. I'll take the blame, allowing things to get this far and this bad after the war with Highburn. With everything else that was going on, it, you, I should have been there to help you, but I wasn't. And I am ready to admit that this is partially my fault. Now, the killer is, is that Nesta's like, and where's Elaine? (laughs) Like, okay, you're thinking about where your other sister is? Huh? Yeah. Well, she's realizing that she's not surrounded by people she uh, views as on her side. So to her, she's thinking she's standing in a room that is basically four against one. Yeah. And, you know, they jump in and, and, you know, Cassie's like, it's because of you, your behavior. He's like, it's not a moral failing. And then Feyre jumps in and she's like, I understand how you're feeling. And I'm like, oh, God, Feyre. Well, everybody gets foot and mouth, okay? Because let's look at this. Cassian does the thing where it's like, it's not some moral failing, but what fucking but? Like, yeah. what could you possibly say at the end of that that wasn't going to negate what you just what fucking you just said? said. <laughs> and then Feyre's all, I understand how you're feeling. Really? Queen of couldn't get her fucking feelings together for three books suddenly knows how other people are feeling. <laughs> And Feyre's just, she's she's plowing ahead. She's not really letting anything stop her. And she's like, it's time for some changes starting now. <laughs> okay. Well, this is to me where it really went south. And we did briefly touch on this in the Discord. So Nesta lashes out, keep yourself right, just do good or nonsense out of my life. But Feyre retorts, you don't have a life. This, like I said, is kind of where it devolved. Um, We briefly touched on the Discord. Some people pointed out, and I, like, seconded that thought, which is this starts to feel really weird for Feyre 
to be <laughs> fucking calling this out because right. do we do we not remember where she was at the beginning of Akamath? Like, are we are we gonna pretend she wasn't exactly like basically exactly the same? The difference is she wasn't fucking randos, she was fucking Tamlin. Like, I'm sorry, what how is this different? <laughs> Well, and not only that, I mean, yes, it's definitely different, but, you know, it's the whole, I feel like in a way it's like the pot calling the kettle black. Yes, absolutely. And I'm like, um. Yeah, yeah, it definitely feels super weird. And that's where that whole remembering that there's there's Nesta's side and there's Feyre's side and the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. I'm not entirely sure that Feyre says it quite like she says it here, where she's like, you're done, this behavior, that apartment, all of it, you're done, Nesta. And it's like, I don't necessarily think that this went down quite like that. You know what I mean? Like, I find it hard to believe that Feyre uh, is this stupid and doesn't see the pot calling the kettle black. But on the other hand, could be wrong. Maybe she really just doesn't. <laughs> Well, I mean, she does acknowledge that she's like, I decided after the war to give you time, but it seems I was wrong. And, you know, I mean, in a way, I understand where Favre's coming from with this because, you know, yeah, she was miserable, miserable, miserable. And then when Resan came to save her. Right. It definitely, like he started to do what he could to snap her out of it. Oh no, I'm definitely, yes. Okay, right. I think the key here would be, <laughs> okay, here's the point. We're literally at the end of this chapter. She had said, you know, you don't have a life and I'm not going to sit by for another moment and watch you destroy yourself. Okay, I get that. Fucking get that, right? This is about the fact that Nesta is spending their money and also that she's spending her, their money on basically things that are not good for Nesta, right? So I get that. You don't want to be an enabler. I'm here for that. I just think it's ironic <laughs> that she's acting surprised that Nesta doesn't want anything to do with her when does she not remember not wanting to have anything to do with Reese? Does she does she not remember that? No, I guess not. Apparently fucking not. And I think that's like the thing that maybe is fucking this whole thing if you think about it. Feyre should be actually be the perfect person to be able to get Nesta out of this, having basically gone through very similar steps herself. However, she's blinded by the fact that she now looks back on all of that as, and then I was, and then I met my mate. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's like she forgot that there was this whole period of time where she wanted to fucking like murder Reese. <laughs> sure. So we're at the part where Nesta wants to murder her. Like, you know <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh it really uh comes to a head and everybody's like oh what when nesta's like well if i'm done and you're taking my apartment away where am i supposed to go and cassian says you're coming with me to train what, what? <laughs> uh, and that's the end of chapter one chapter one is really long it is it is it is so long well, it changes perspective like six times. It's like Cassie and Nesta, Cassie and Nesta, Cassie and Nesta. Like it's a like yeah, a, yeah. We could have had a chapter break where we had some snowflakes, but whatever. So chapter two, 
it's I, I find it interesting. It it starts off, it picks up right where chapter one left off. And Farah's clarifying because she's like, Nesta's like, what the <laughs> I mean, all she says is what, but you know she's basically saying what the fuck. Right. And Farah's like, as of this meeting, you're moving into the house of wind. Reese and I have decided that with each morning, you will train with Cassian and Windhaven in the Illyrian Mountains. After lunch, for the rest of the afternoon, you will be assigned work in the library beneath the House of Wind. But the apartment, the seedy taverns, all of that is over. And this is this is what I mean, that this would, if Nesta... Or Nesto and was Faber's brother. There is no fucking way. Right. There's no fucking way that this is how this would go down. So I, I find it. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing I don't get. Here's the thing I don't fucking get. So when Reese made Feyre come to the night court as part of their quote unquote like fucking deal. Right. And he was really trying to snap her out of it. Pretty much the only thing he made her do was fucking learn how to read. And write. Right. But I mean, like, he didn't throw her, like, you know what I mean? Like, even when she came after the whole fucking meltdown with Tamlin and everything else, like, her meeting Cassian and deciding to, like, do XYZ and be a part of the inner circle and yada yada. That was all a choice she was given. Like she was allowed to make that choice for herself. Exactly. And we know that essentially Nesta has not been allowed to make any choices up to this point. That shitty ass apartment and those shitty guys she sleeps with are the only choices she fucking gets to make. Exactly. It's the same thing they say about little kids where it's like, that's why little kids will like throw tantrums and like be obsessed with like, you know, fucking Barbie dolls or whatever, because kids get so little choice. They don't get to choose where they live or where they go to school or what they do at school. They don't get to choose what's for dinner. They don't get to drive themselves anywhere. They don't get to choose breakfast. Like kids get so little choice and that's why they get so fucking crazy. Right. Right. And it's like, right. That. (laughs) Is it possible that maybe Nesta feels like Well, and, you know, they do say, and and you brought up kids, they say, you know, with kids, once you can start giving them a choice, start giving them at least a choice between one or two things. Right. They don't have to, they can, because I do it with my kid all the time, and and I'll be like, all right, you can choose to do X or you can choose to do Y. And he's like, well, I don't want to do either. And I'm like, I don't care. You have to choose one of the two, but I've given you an option. Well, here, the only fucking choice they give her is do exactly what we said or fucking leave and go back to the human lands. That's not a choice. That's a fucking death sentence. Like that, that's what, like, and I think that's why this is so fucked. And I think this is why a lot of us read it and went like, this feels so weird. It's not Feyre and Reese trying to snap. It's not Feyre wanting to snap her sister out of it. That's weird. Get that. It's not recent favor of being like, you can't fucking spend our money on booze, right? <laughs> Fine. It's their money. Right. They can say that. It's not even whatever bullshit went down between Nesta and Amran because they're both fucking like Spitfire. So they were going to take each other out eventually. Like, <laughs> right. What's weird is Feyre giving these like very strict orders of like, you're going to the House of Wind. You're going to train with Cassian in the morning. Then you're going to go to the library. No. I could see this very much being like, well, you can't stay in your seedy ass apartment 
and you can't spend our money on booze, but you can live in the townhouse and work at the library, or you can go up to the House of Wind and you can train with Cassian. Pick one of those two. You know what I mean? Like, right. I I could see that, but I, or, you know, or vice versa, because the library is at the house, but you know what I'm trying to say. Like, my point is, is I could see having very limited choice for her, but I cannot believe that Feyre and Reese think it's a good idea to take Nesta who is already feeling cornered, corner her more and be like, you do what I say or we fucking kick you out. And you basically- two choices. Yeah, like, it's super weird because anyway, Nesta basically says, fuck you, I'm not doing that. And Amorin says it's not up for negotiation. And apparently, this is what I'm saying about like, it's not, it's not the taking away her booze and taking away her apartment that's necessary and like not funding her bullshit that offends me it's basically this that offends me your apartment is already being packed as we speak by the time you return it'll be empty your clothes are already being sent to the house so i doubt there'll be anything suitable for training at windhaven like okay like I, i again i cannot imagine them doing this to a man i agree I just can't. I just cannot imagine this going down. Like, I cannot imagine Reese ever doing this to Cassian or Asriel. And I can't see Feyre doing it to Elaine. I agree. And I think the really sick part is I can barely see Tamlin doing this. The only time that Tamlin actually did do this was at the beginning when he essentially kidnaps Feyre. But he doesn't. He, like, sets her family... Like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, literally, we've never seen these characters do this. And that's why I said it's so interesting because it's not that I don't think it happened and I don't... You know what I mean? Like, it's that whole, the truth is somewhere in the middle. But even at the middle, this is still so fucked. Like, even in the middle, like, even if I give Feyre and Reese the grace to go, they just are at wit's end and don't know what to do. Again, kind of like parents. Sometimes parents get to a point that they don't know what to do with their kid. I'm not saying that Feyre and Reese don't deserve some space to be like, wow, like, they're trying. They're not making great decisions, but they're trying. But this just seems so far-fetched. This is kind of like going from, like... Uh, you know, gentle parenting your kid to immediately spanking them. And it's like, I feel like we missed some steps in the middle where we could have tried some other things. <laughs> like, yeah. And like, I don't care how you parent your kid, that's on you. But I'm just saying like, you know what I mean? Like, I just think that there's like, I, I feel like people think there's like two choices and that's how this is. How are there only two choices? There had to be more choices. Well, I... I I, I don't know. I just find it. I don't know. I find it. I find it interesting that this is presented the way it is to her. And yeah, you know, and, and the, something to point out is this whole chapter so far is from Cassian's perspective. Not yeah. Nesta's. And, you know, yeah. he, he even points out at some point that, I mean, he's actually kind of bothered about the way this is being handled. He doesn't like it. And I think that is kind of important to note. Um, well, and he doesn't like it because he's noticing, like, like what I'm looking at right now, that, like, she isn't hearing any of this. Like, there may be little pieces that we're not getting, really, where they are trying to, like, explain why they're doing what they're doing. But, like, Nesta doesn't hear that. Nesta just feels that she's being attacked. And that's a rightful reaction. She essentially is. And so, like, I feel like Cassian's watching this whole thing devolve, where it's, like, even if somebody started talking 
sensibly right now, Nesta wouldn't hear it because you already fucking fucked up in the beginning. <laughs> you know what I mean? Amron's starting to lay down the law. Yeah. Literally and figuratively speaking. <laughs> yes. Because she tells she tells Nesta that, well, you never officially resigned your position and it's on page blah 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 in you know the book you know in our in our laws and so Amron's like it's my problem because you are still technically a member of this court which um okay yeah yeah we'll come back to that (laughs) and we really do find I mean you know Amron goes into detail about her two choices Option one, you can, I love this. Okay, now, I will tell you guys, as a parent, have I used a tactic similar to this? Which is, either you can do what I want you to do, or you're not going to get anything you want. Period. And yes, has have I used that as a parent on my child? Absolutely. Right, but would you use it on a, like... Uh, clearly traumatized adult. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> that's where that's where my confusion comes in. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> See, the reason I say no is because I come from that whole thing. Like, I'm looking at this is dumb, but it's I'm looking at it from like a business perspective, like from a marketing perspective where you need buy-in. And I don't see how giving somebody basically no choices is gonna get any buy-in from them. Well, as I have told my child, when I'm like, either you do X or you don't get X, and those are your two choices, so you can choose not to do it. No, right. Okay, well, right. But let's go through these two choices because then I'll I'll say why this seemed like a sketch. Like, is it is is an option, and is the option they picked? <laughs> but I'm- this could have backfired bad. No, I know, and I I get that. I'm just saying, because yeah. Amber says option one: you can move up to the House of Wind, train with Cassian in the mornings, and work in the library in the afternoons. You are not a prisoner, but there will be no one there to fly you or winter you down to the city. And if you want to go into the city, feel free, but you got to go down ten thousand steps and back up ten thousand steps. Sure. Um. And then if she has, if, if if she can find the money to rub together to go get a drink, by all means, go have a beverage, right? And right. then Nesta's like, and my other option? And, and that answer is, you can move back to the human lands, which is basically a death sentence for Nesta. Right. Which, here's the thing, though, and I think this is why, like, and it's a book, so we can do whatever the fuck we want, right? But, like, in real life, if you give somebody who's greatly depressed with a lot of trauma the option where they basically, uh, for, like, lack of a better way to put it, could have, like, no, like, you don't put people who could be potentially suicidal in uh, life or death situations because they will take them and Good hope enough. that they don't make it. So, like, I think that's why I'm like, this seems kind of sketchy. Like, this seems like a bad choice to me because, like, we're really banking a lot on the idea that Nesta isn't going to be like, well, then fuck you, I'm going back to the human lands. Like, I could totally see Nesta 
just fucking being so angry that she's like, fuck you. I will go live in a fucking hovel on the outside of like the outskirts of the human land and basically be like the witch that the kids are afraid of. You know no, what I mean? I get that. I'm just saying. So I'm like, this could have backfired big time. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, I, as a parent, have I used kind of. Oh, absolutely. ultimatums with my child to get what I want or need out of him. Sure. No, absolutely. And like, that's what I mean. Like, I think like, yeah, obviously there's a difference between like real life and like stuff you got to get kids to do or whatever. But I think I just I think that in this situation, we've blown things out of proportion because um, if you don't want to fund her basically drinking and lifestyle, then don't. But take the money away, not take all her options away you know you see what i'm saying my, my solution would have been all right you can move up to the house of wind and train and work and we'll provide you with a stipend right or you can walk away from all of that and you were completely on your own financially and you can't use us to fund anything including the roof right over your head. go find your own job right go find your own job and i think that would have been fair exactly but instead, to claim that she's not a prisoner, but give her no way to make an income, no stipend, throw her in the house of wind and tell her exactly how she's going to spend every minute of every day. I'm sorry, that is a prisoner and that is what Tamlin did to you. Right. No, I agree. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> um, but anyway, it's fine. It's all a plot device. <laughs> it is. As Tamlin was once a plot device, so beeth Feyre and Reese. <laughs> yep. And all I gotta say is, remember, this is coming from Nesta's point of view. Right. Right. And so, like I said, maybe they weren't as mean about it, but I still think even if we go into the middle realm somewhere, it's not about the way they said it. It still seems like they handled it poorly, but where's the shock there? They've made a lot of weird fucking decisions. <laughs> And I, you know, they get to the point. So he, Nesta and Feyre start towing off, and Nesta's like, "You dragged me into this mess, this horrible place. You are why I am like this. Why I am stuck here." Pisses Reese off enough that he starts to like do his night rage thing, where he can, you know, bring down the wrath of sure. the stars. And Feyre's finally like, "All right, enough." She's like, that is enough. You're moving up to the house. You're going to train and work. And I don't care what vitriol you spew my way. You're doing it. And Nesta's then like, well, and Elaine needs to be able to see me. And then here's the comeback that she wasn't expecting, which is Elaine agreed to this hours ago. She's currently packing your things. They'll be waiting for you when you arrive. And I mean, I'm just saying, like, I've said this before when we talk about things, like, if you want a villain, this is how you get a villain. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just, it, again, I'm just so mind blown that this is the way we decided to handle this. Uh, anyway, and like, even if, even if taking into account this being from Nessa's point of view, it still means that Elaine, to some extent, agreed to this and does not have any plans on like disagreeing with this. <laughs> exactly. 
So like, that's what I mean. Like some of the verbiage may be different and maybe Feyre tried to like pepper in some niceties that we're not getting, but this is still the outcome. So I'm still very confused, but anyway. Well, and you know, the whole thing that, cause, because then Feyre's like, look, Elaine knows how to contact you. One of us will be happy to take her up to the house of wind to see you at any time. And Nesta is like, well, I. She looks at she looks at Cassian, and she's like, I'm guessing this is your idea. And it says in here he lied. And yeah, he's like, of course. We're gonna have a great time, you know. And you're like, okay. I feel yeah. I feel awful because you know you and I had talked offline about this. I don't actually. Not only was this not Cassian's idea, I'm not even fully sure that Cassian actually understood exactly what was happening. Like, first, I yeah. think <laughs> I think this conversation happened and Cassian got as far in this plan as hearing that he had to be the one to go get Nesta. And then he spent the rest of the time sitting there being like, fuck, I gotta go get Nesta. What am I going to say? What am I going to do? What has she been up to? Do I even want to do this? Like, oh my God, I can't. Like, I don't, I can't believe this is where we've gotten, blah, blah, blah. And he's so busy like doing this in his head that like all he heard was like, and then we're going to give her some choices and it's going to be great for her mental health. And like now that he's here, he's like, choices? Those were fucking choices. (laughs) So like not only is he taking the blame for a plan that wasn't his, I'm not even sure he fully understood the plan. (laughs) Right. So I give I give Farah credit because she finally realizes that having Amarin, Cassian, and Reese in there is not going to make this happen. Certainly not any faster, easier, or more with any more acquiescence than you know sure. you're already getting. In fact, you'll get more pushback. So she kicks them all out and says, "I want to speak to my sister alone." <laughs> I totally respect it, and you know. They get out, the three of them leave the room, and they're out in the hallway, and I love this line, because Cassian is like, he looks at Amron and he goes, I didn't know we had laws like that about court membership. And Amron's like, oh, we don't. I lied. (laughs) Which is like, him saying that is what makes me think that he really didn't understand the plan before we went in. To a degree, I, I I think you're right. I don't think he was totally mentally there. Like, he knew. Like, I, I think he know. really, yeah. Like, I think he really thought we were going to have, like, an intervention and, like, explain to her that we weren't going to bankroll her bullshit, but that, like, we had some choices to make and can we help you in some way? And, like, do you, you know, blah, blah, blah. But instead, like, I don't... <laughs> instead he just took everybody at their word when they got in there and Amron's like yeah well it's on the books and he's like oh well if it's on the book and then to come outside and Amron's like I lied I feel like he's like damn I have no idea what's going on (laughs) well yeah I mean he's probably a little confused god knows I am I kind of have a little bit of whiplash here yeah exactly I'm like this poor man is like I've been through a lot today and nobody has even noticed (laughs) But we do get a snowflake, and now the point of view totally changes to Nesta's. Yeah. And she's pissed. And, you know, she lashes out at her sister, and she's like, you didn't care before, why now? Yeah. 
And Feyre kind of- And then good old Feyre gives such a fair response. Poor thing. Like, remember back in, like, books one and two when we were like, this bitch, like, cannot string ten words together to make a sentence? She's like, I told you. It wasn't that I didn't care. We, everyone, I mean, had multiple conversations about this. And you, we, I decided that giving you time and space would be best. Girlfriend. Yeah. Okay, not only did Cassian not know the plan, but honey, did you know the plan? Like, you called this meeting. <laughs> well, and then, you know, Nesta starts to demand, well, what did Elaine have to say about this? Like, what, what yeah. was her, you know, opinion? Vera is like, this isn't about Elaine. And last I checked, you barely saw her. And I'm just like, ow. But you get a little bit of insight into Nesta's mind and where she's coming from. And yeah. she's like, she'd never explained it to Vera. Because she hadn't realized that they were all paying such close attention, and she hadn't explained it to Feyre, had never found the words to explain it, why she'd put such distance between them all. Elaine had been stolen by the cauldron and saved by Azrael and Feyre, yet the terror still gripped Nesta, waking and asleep. The memory of how it had felt in those moments after hearing the cauldron's seductive call and realizing it had been for Elaine, not for her or Feyre. How it had felt to find Elaine's tent empty, to see that blue cloak discarded, and it had only gotten worse from there. Like, it's, like, it's a double-edged sword because, like, based off of, like, this thought process, it's like, okay, well, actually, Nesta, like, Cassian probably would have done literally fucking anything for you if you'd spent 10 seconds like looking around but on the other hand it like if you look at it from being in nesta's head the way nesta sees it is everybody else was so quick to help elaine and i had just gone through the same thing and not a single fucking person came to ask me how i was doing and honestly because we read the last books from favor's perspective we actually do know that that's pretty much true Right. Like, they really didn't fucking ask Nesta how well, it Every time her they form. tried to, Nesta was so abrasive, she was like, leave me the fuck alone. Sure, but then they did. Which, like, I mean, what are you gonna do? But on the other hand, Elaine gave them fucking nothing, but they still were up her ass constantly. And let's be real, they weren't even up Elaine's ass because they care about Elaine anymore. They were up Elaine's ass because they didn't know what to do about Lucian. Yeah. I would argue no, that, that they didn't give a fuck, like, they didn't handle either of them well. Well, that, and they didn't know how much power she had, or what her yeah. power was. So, I just think that's super interesting to, like, think about the fact that, like, I didn't think about it at the time, but looking back, they didn't handle the aftermath of the cauldron with either sister particularly well. We just gave more attention to Elaine because she didn't physically or verbally fight back. And we wanted to see what the shakeout with Lucian was going to be. True. I don't disagree with that at all. You know, and she goes back over all of this in her head. And, you know, Feyre's like, look, all you've done is help yourself to our money. And then Nesta comes back with, with... a response that even I find to be troublesome, which is, you mean your mate's money? <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> like, Nesta, there was a lot of things you could say, but you picked that? Exactly. And really, it does not get the desired effect that she wanted, because it all it does is really make 
Feyre even more resolute in what her decision was to begin with. So right. for once, where Nesta thought she was going to be able to get a certain attitude out of Feyre, it totally failed. Sure. Nesta's like, why the hell do you even care? And Feyre's response, which I give her credit, is because you are my sister. Which is about the closest you're going to get from to Feyre saying, because I love you, dumbass. Uh, yeah, I just don't think it, and it's kind of like what, how, like, ne- what Nesta said didn't, like, hit Feyre the way she expected. It's the same thing where it's like, I don't think this hits the way that Feyre thinks it's going to. I understand that. I do. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If we could communicate effectively, either of them, we would have a lot less problems, but then we'd also have a lot less book. <laughs> And Feyre calls her out because she's like, look, you know, part of it is just, it's about what you spend it on. Not only is it the amount, it's about what. And Nesta's like, oh, you're more worried about your image. And Feyre's like, look, it is about how it reflects upon me and upon Reese and upon the court when my sister spends our money on wine and gambling and does nothing to contribute to the city and the court. And I just I don't know. Again, it doesn't go over well. Nesta gets angry and she yells at at Feyre and she's like, you had no right to close up my apartment and take my things. Feyre's like, whoa, what things? Some clothes and some rotten food? Like, yeah, I don't know. The whole thing feels weird to me. Okay, yeah, Nesta's not contributing anything. I'm not like defending the fact that Nesta is not being a bitch, but like, I'm sorry. Could somebody explain to me what Nesta is qualified to do? Not much. What, like what the fuck would you have had her be doing to make the money? I, I'm sorry. Explain that to me. And then also like, if that, if we're going to go down that rabbit hole, then it's like, okay. So then when she's like, well, you had no right to collect my things. I don't think now is the time to tell somebody who you apparently like, you know what I mean? Like, oh what things you a couple of like nasty clothes like okay like i'm sorry well then what i'm hearing is sounds like she could have been spending more of your money <laughs> she's not living the high like she is and she isn't should she be like signing off all her bar tabs onto their accounts no but like they're clearly offering to basically pay for her like rent right and she lives in something that costs nothing they right. obviously are willing to like pay for her clothes and things like that. And she's not buying those things. So like, I get it, but this comes back to what I'm saying about how it's truly about what she's spending it on. I don't think it's about how much she's spending. And the what is only offensive to me because if it was a dude buying a bunch of beer. I just don't think we'd be having this conversation. I agree. I, that's what like this, that's what I, I, yeah, it's just very odd. Anyway, I just, this blows my mind. <laughs> But again, it's because it's a plot device. It's because I don't think this is the focus, so it doesn't really matter. It just feels weird. Absolutely. It, the whole situation is very odd. It really is. Um, And, you know, they go off on this whole tangent about, well, what about Elaine and Elaine not being involved? And she's like, I want to talk to her. And Farrah's like, look, Elaine will come to you when she's ready. Not when you're ready. Which I have to admit, I find interesting. She's giving Elaine that option and that choice, but she's not giving Nesta that. Right. That's what I'm saying. This is that. Yeah. It's not about Nesta being right. 
it's really about the fact that I think we can pretty much definitively say the favor is wrong. Do you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. <laughs> it's it's not that I'm reading chapters one and two and going, oh, Nesta is just a poor tortured soul. She doesn't mean it. No, she's a bitch. But on the other hand, like two things can be true. Nesta can be a bitch and favor can also be handling this really badly. <laughs> Absolutely she is. Absolutely. Like nobody's handling this well. This whole thing is gonna and you know and Nesta finally storms out of the study. Yeah. And you know, her respond what you find out is she doesn't bother to reply. Fairy doesn't speak again as she's leaving. And Nesta's like, there is nothing to bind them together anymore. And that's the end of chapter two. But it's really sad that you feel like from Nesta's perspective that their relationship has just basically blown up at a nuclear level. Yeah. And I think that's why I'm so bothered by how it's handled, because I think it's like we could, like if we wanted to save Nesta, then we should have saved Nesta by finding a way to build the relationship, not strong harm her and ruin any semblance of a relationship. Because it's like, like I said, it's what I said earlier, which is like, you need buy-in from people. Like, right. I don't, it's that whole thing about when you send something, like, that's why, like, interventions are a thing. And, like, why you try to convince somebody to, like, quit whatever, you know, smoking, drinking, whatever. Like, you try to convince them. You don't just, like, send them off to rehab because they've proven that, like, if you just strong-arm somebody into rehab, they will just check themselves out. Absolutely. But if you convince them that that is what is best for them and that you are trying to support them, if they go willingly, it is a much more successful venture. Absolutely. And I think that that's why I think this is so weird and why I'm so bothered by this. Because it's not that Nesta doesn't need this. It's that Nesta didn't need it forced upon her so that she just spends all her energy fighting it. I agree. I mean, I think they're, they could have handled this differently and gotten a different, they could have got handled it differently and gotten the desired result. Yeah. But that's how I see it. Yeah, no, I agree. So, um, all of that to be like, uh, spoilers. Um, when she gets there, um, yeah, she does spend all of her time fighting. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Like when we get to chapter like later in this, when we're in like chapters like five and six, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, that's true. Could have gone a lot smoother if she had like willingly gone instead of you know the fuckery that is <laughs> five and six. You know, but that makes sense. I mean, it's it's a hot ass mess, no matter how we want to slice it. Yeah, yeah. It's fair, like you know, but we have to again keep an open mind. It's not all recent favorites fault because they also need therapy (laughs) well yeah i mean honestly they all do every single person that's what i mean like we are really letting the blind lead the blind up in here (laughs) goodbye you were the weakest link i mean that's the only thing i can think of yeah, so, like, this is literally what happens when you let the blind lead the blind. <laughs> they make yeah. poor choices for themselves and others. 
Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> I should rephrase this because, you know, <laughs> what it should be is, is this is what happens when you let the the non-therapy lead the non-therapy to therapy. <laughs> Like, this is what happens when you try to gift therapy to someone else when you yourself truly need it. <laughs> fair. A hundred percent fair. I don't, I can't argue with that at all. Ay, ay, ay. So chapter three. So chapter three. <laughs> oh my goodness. So it starts off, we don't really know what is said between Nesta and Feyre in the, in the uh, library, office, study, whatever room it is there in the house, the new it's house. It's the Nesta getting the business room. <laughs> yeah. They constructed a special Nesta getting the business room. <laughs> they knew they were going to use it more than once, so it felt worthy. <laughs> yeah, something. So anyway. Um, we are with Cassian and Resand and Resand's office slash study slash I don't know slash like got a weird globe set up like we find out <laughs> that he has a weird obsession with miniatures I don't know I, you know he does and I <laughs> I'm highly entertained by it because I I actually want to describe it because for anybody who did the Crescent City read along with us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. last season and season four or if you've read crescent city and haven't listened to it with us there is that whole scene in the autumn king's house yeah. where he's with that weird model of his of planets mm-hmm. and stuff and mm-hmm. i find some area similarities yeah same because he talks about Cassian talks about, you know, this model of their planets and, and so on. And as he says, in is, fairness, even... is this the first time in this book that we've talked about other planets? Yes. Yeah. So that's why this is here. <laughs> it literally just serves that purpose, I think. Or if we have talked about it before, it was like really very brief and in passing. I mean, we have, when you think about Aquar and we talk about how Amran ended up there. and Yeah, the but that's over. almost like we talk about it like, oh, there are other worlds, question mark, like a la like Buffy. We don't know where the fucking demons come from. They just come up from fucking somewhere. Right. <laughs> like, that's more just like, there are other beings from fucking places that do things like i think all like basically yeah like all storytelling does that but yeah then in crescent city we're and then in crescent city we have like whole fucking planets but nobody wants to give us a map of the singular planet we're on i'm still mad about that (laughs) true i'm with you it's okay whatever but yeah so yeah i think this mostly just serves whether i mean obviously it's sjm she do that on purpose like she like makes you know coinky dinkies um, so obviously there's some kawinky dinkies, like you said, to the um Autumn King. But I think most importantly it's just supposed to be like, see, even we know there's other planets. <laughs> even in this book we know. <laughs> well, I think it's that and I also think and and I don't disagree entirely. However, I find it fascinating that it's here because it's knowing what I know about the order and 
the next book in Crescent City and how it follows this in order. It's an Easter egg. Cool. I'm not even going to lie anywhere. It's an Easter egg. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so what Cassian describes is a massive working model of their world, the stars and planets around it, and some other fancy things that had been explained to Cassian once before, <laughs> and he deemed them boring and proceeded to ignore them completely. Okay, but like, I sort of feel like Cassian, so it's fine. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. I still don't feel confident about the map of this planet, so I'm really not going to worry about the others. <laughs> No, but this one at least makes me know more about how it's laid out. <laughs> we also know how Throne of Glass is laid out. So, again, this Crescent City is the mystery to us. Um, <laughs> but I like how it says in here, to, to back up on this, model, Reese built it centuries ago himself. It could not only track the sun, but also tell time. And it somehow allowed Reese to ponder the existence of life beyond their own world and other things Cassian had, again, instantly forgotten. <laughs> but I think we're dealing with a big fat Easter egg. I mean, hello? <laughs> Tells time, pondering... All kinds of crazy shit. I can't imagine why I would be thinking that. <laughs> Couldn't see how that could possibly work itself out. I haven't I even read the rest of this book or Crescent City 2, but I can't possibly put those together. <laughs> no. Like I said, it's an Easter egg that got planted. But it's an funny, interesting funny. Easter egg. I can't I can't be mean or, or, or mad about it. It is an interesting Easter egg to be there, so go Easter egg. Cassian and Reese really start talking. It's the fucking weirdest conversation. It is like these two people barely fucking know each other. It is weird. It is so weird. <laughs> like they, these guys are like brothers, and this conversation is painful to listen to. <laughs> yeah, I'll oof. That's all I got to say. Oof. Like what is happening? Uh, you know, Reese is like, are you ready? And Cassie's like, I got it. Don't worry. I, I gotta admit, I can see why Cassie would go on the defensive because Reese is kind of almost doubting his ability to handle her. Is it going to be easy? <laughs> no, but I think, I think Cassian's got to handle people. I don't even, <laughs> this is what I'm saying. This is, this is why it's so weird. This is like how chapter two is kind of weird. It's literally like we... It's literally like we discussed all of these things with Cassian in the room, but never asked his two cents. And now suddenly you're like, oh, fuck, maybe we should have talked to Cassian first. Oh, you fucking think? Like, yeah, a little late now. Like, now Cassian's just like, well, we're here. We're doing it. So doesn't really matter what the fuck I think. Because if it mattered, you would have asked me a week ago. Not now. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> um. But Reese comes back with him and, and comes back to him with, he's setting this up. You know there's a setup going on here because, and even Cassie knows it. He's just not sure what the setup is because. I read it and I'm still not sure what the setup is. <laughs> oh, I do. That I can, that I can explain. 
Um, because Reese is like, oh, you did a good, you did good work getting the Illyrians back in order this spring. And it literally says, from Cassian's point of view, he braced himself. He'd been anticipating this talk since he'd spent four months with the Illyrians, soothing the jagged edges amongst the warbands. And, you know, he's, you know, making sure the families who had lost fathers and sons and brothers and husbands were taken care of, that they knew he was there to help and listen and generally making it very fucking clear that if they rose up against Reese, there would be hell to pay. And then he talks about the fact, because remember in Frost and Starlight, we knew that there were some clans that were loudly dissenting. And one of the loudest um, had this person named Callan, and Callan lost his life in the blood, right? So in a way, it's like as, as, you know, Cassian points out, well, the blood right had taken care of the worst of them. Sure. Um, I guess that's good. It's just kind of weird. You know, it's like disturbing in a way too, though. Um, but, you know, it because Cassian acknowledged, he goes, you know, it, it just, he had heaved a sigh of relief at the news of the young male's demise had lingered with him, but the Illyrians had stopped their grumbling soon after so the major pot stir is no longer around to stir the pot that's I was say, it's no longer an issue um so he you know he's he's like okay yeah so we talked about this why are you bringing you know like he knows there's more it's it's kind of like you're waiting for the other shoe to drop and then all right Sorry, go on. I'm just, my brain is still mulling over. I think, it's not that I don't understand. It's that I, carry on. I'll get to my point in a minute. When, I'm when not used, get, I was going to say, I'm not used to Reese beating around the bush like this to get to I the I think point. it's that I don't understand. Okay, I like have two questions. Why is Reese beating around the bush? That's not Reese of him. Right. And what earth would Cassian have been on? Oh, okay, well, they're not on earth. But what planet has Cassian been on that, like, we don't see where this is going? Do you see what I mean? Like, what did Cassian think the rest of his life was going to consist of? Just following Reese around? I don't, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't understand what why either of them are being so weird about this conversation that ultimately ends up in the like it's time for you to take on responsibilities. And I'm just like, I'm sorry. Am I supposed to be? I'm sorry. What? Like, yeah, duh. I, I what? <laughs> well, and and you know, and and why are we can't... being so weird about it? <laughs> I know. Asking when Reese tells him that, he's like, uh that's what I mean. I'm so confused. I'm confused by everybody in this situation. I don't understand. I just don't understand, like, how we got this far. You know what I mean? Like, well, it's like everybody's acting atypical of their behavior that we know. And you can't even blame that on it being from Nesta's perspective. Because <laughs> it's from Cassian's. Yeah. It's just weird. Which to me, this, <laughs> this I saw somebody said this in like a TikTok or something, and I was like, uh, yeah, I don't really feel that way, but sometimes in moments like this, I do. It's like, is it because Fair is the Yoko and broke up the band? <laughs> um, and I'm like, 
I don't really think so, but like, yeah, a little bit. Like, I think what happened was Reese and Cassian and Az like had their like each of them knew what they were in their trio. You know what I mean? Yes. And then there was more in Amron, and they were kind of on the outside. And like then there was Feyre, and that was fine because then it was like three dudes hanging out with three girls. This is fine. But then uh, like any friend group, then if two of them get together, you're like, now fucking what? You know what I mean? And so then they become the parents of the group. Yeah. And I think that that's the problem is that Reese has approached this as the dad of the group. And Cassian's like, this just feels weird. And I want it to stop. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't think it's that he doesn't want the responsibilities I don't even think it's that Reese doesn't want to hand off said responsibilities I think it's the weird fucking way Reese is approaching this that is just making it uncomfortable <laughs> I would agree I think that's a very fair assessment of this um, <laughs> you know Reese is like oh well you, you can't honestly mean to tell me you didn't think the Illyrian situation was a test and I'm like You know, really, does everything have to be a test? I guess is my question. Right. You know, Cassian's like, well, I had hoped not. And, you know, I have to agree with Cassian in this case. Yeah. Because truly, Cassian was doing his job. His job is to deal with the Illyrians and keep them in line. He's the general. Okay, right. Which is why I guess I don't understand, like, yeah, I guess that's why I'm like, I don't understand what we're doing here. Like... Yeah, anyway, carry on. I think I think Reese is going about this in a very just awkward way. Yes. That's that's really what it is, is he's being very awkward about it. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and Reese is like, you know, Nesta is not a test though. She's different. And, you know, I have to give Cassian credit because he's like, Yeah, I know, and Though nobody has seen any of Nesta's power since that day on the battlefield, they don't know if she still has it or not. They don't, mm-hmm. you know, they don't know is it dormant. They don't really know. But he also remembers what the bone cover told him that day in the prison. Yeah. And that is just beating around in his head like, you know, the the annoying rock in your shoe that it is and it is what if i tell you what the rock and darkness and sea beyond whispered to me lord of bloodshed how they shuddered in fear on that island across the sea how they trembled when she emerged she took something something precious she ripped it out with her teeth what did you wake that day in highburn prince of bastards So it definitely yeah. is, you know, he's got a lot, like I said, it's that, that rock in your shoe that's driving you crazy. Well, but like, then this whole thing like devolves kind of in a fucked up direction, at least in my, and like, I'll get to that in a second. It devolves into a weird like situation because then like Cassian kind of tries to downplay the whole thing and be like, oh, you know, like, well, we haven't seen her power, so, like, it's probably fine. And Reese is like, well, we don't really know that. And he's like, okay, well, whatever. And then Reese is like, be on your guard. And he says, you sound like you're afraid of her. And Reese says, I am. And Cassian's just like, blink, 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 blink. Because it's not, and like, 
I don't think it's that Cassian's not afraid of her, in theory, like, ridiculous amount of power. Obviously, based on what we know from, like, what the Bone Carver said, he is. On the other hand, though, I think he looks at it as, I'm more afraid of what we don't know, not her specifically. This is exactly like when Feyre, we didn't know what the fuck Feyre got from the High Lords, and she wasn't training, and she was just a bomb waiting to go off. But we were just like, it's fine. We'll let her get through her feelings first and go from there. Like... Yes. Yes, we will. <laughs> like, <laughs> we did that with Feyre, so I don't know why we're like, no, Nesta has to have, like, we we have to, like, have our guards up. We're afraid of her. Okay, well, we probably should have been afraid of Feyre, too, then, by that logic. Well, yeah, exactly. But we, like, fed her scones and waited for her to get through her feelings first. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't I'm know. I'm just a little confused about the, yeah, I'm a little confused by the steps being taken. It is awkward. I will, I will definitely leave it at that. It's definitely yeah. an awkward situation. Yeah. Um, and they, they talk about the fact that Reese and Feyre are going to be having an argument after everybody leaves because she's pissed off at, at Reese for how he handled things in the library with her sister. So, whatever. Um, and we all know that when you have a fight, the best part of a fight is when you make up, right? Yeah, and Cassian's like, I'm so glad I have other places to be! <laughs> yes. At the same time, he does. He says something that I find is really interesting, and and yeah, it's from a side of casting that none of us have seen really before. So yeah. I'm I find it interesting because he says in his you know in his internal monologue, it's but sometimes casting saw that mating ring and the portrait behind the desk in this house and just wanted. I know. And I was like, I remember reading that the first time and was like, oh, yeah. dude. Oh, buddy. What happened? You know, like. But also, again, I guess I just think this is, uh, and I guess it comes from how the books have been from Feyre's and Reese, uh, sort of Reese's perspective previous to now. I don't, again, why is this like, I mean, I don't know. I understand that Cassian's like big burly man, but like, I also feel like he's halfway in touch with his feelings. I'm not really sure why he hasn't like talked about this with anyone, because if anybody would understand, it'd be fucking Reese who thought his mate was just going to go fucking marry Tamlin. <laughs> well, exactly. Like, and I think I you have people you could talk to. Anyway. He does, but it's, so weird. So then Reese is like, so you don't want to know what these new responsibilities are? And Cassian's like, well, I thought it was Nesta. <laughs> yeah, he's like, isn't that going to be a big enough problem? Like, can't we deal with this later? Yeah, and, and Reese is like, oh, oh, no, no, no. Um, And he's like, you know, as an yeah, I... Yeah, this is the part you. that's so weird. Yeah, go on. Sorry. This yeah, is the part I that did. I was thinking of earlier where I was like, I'm sorry, we have to have a conversation about this? This wasn't implied? I'm confused. Yeah, I'm so, I, yeah. He's like, you know, as and I have good reason to believe that the human queens are scheming again, I need you to look into it and deal with it. And Cassian has the perfect question. He's like, what, we're doing some role reversal as gets to lead the Illyrians now? Right. Like, what? Like, what? I don't know. This is all very confusing because this is coming off of that conversation where he's like, 
you know, you could be more. I'm already your general. Isn't that enough? Is it enough for you? Hmm, pause and wander. I, I'm sorry. I'm confused. Like, we have to have this as a conversation. And then we decide to jump off of that into, yeah, um, Az, who is my fucking spy master, not very good at it, but he is one, is out doing stuff. So now I need you to go be a fucking spy master too. I'm sorry. You want me to take care of Nesta and go cover Az's job? And you want to talk to me about taking on more responsibilities? Aren't those the responsibilities? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> it's a weird setup for the plot that's all i can say is, is i yeah, know it's, like what know are it's, we doing i mean i know she's doing this as a plot as a way to move the plot along like i know you know it it is that it's not but it's really awkward mm-hmm. this is really awkward and the way it's presented is really awkward um because Reese is like, Azrael's juggling more than he'll admit right now, and I'm not dumping another responsibility on him. This task of yours will help him. And let us all see what you're really made of. And I'm like, wait. What? Yeah, what? Cassian is your general. The man fights and faces death daily at and what like i, I don't I, know dude i don't know i don't know i, what know. I'm, I don't know remember oh this is mm, we should have called kara remember how she's convinced that sjm has a ghostwriter <laughs> that would really explain these first couple of chapters because you and i said this book sort of feels like it doesn't really feel normal until about chapter five once we get to about chapter five, it starts to be like, oh, this is the book she wanted to write. But like one through four, getting us to like chapter five feels fucking weird. No, I agree. I totally so I don't know agree. if it's just that like she was struggling getting into the like perspective shift or if it's truly just all readers struggling, but I don't see how it could be all readers struggling. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know if she struggled to get into the perspective shift or like literally like didn't and had written the book from about chapter five on and somebody was like, don't worry about it. We got you and just like shoved some stuff in the beginning. Yeah, and that's possible. I really don't know. But this does not. I really like- don't even feel like the descriptions of like this house match what I would have expected her to talk about. Exactly. So I'm not. Yeah. It does not necessarily feel like it's Sarah J. Mass writing. No, but. it doesn't. So I'm kind of in Camp Kara at this point. <laughs> and, you know, as is, I mean, the whole thing is like, as is like, oh, you want me to play spy? And Reese is like, there are other ways to get information, Cassian, besides peeking through keyholes. As is an accordier. He works in the shadows. I need someone. I need you standing in the open. More can fill you in on the details. And, and you know, Cass is like, wait a minute, but I'm no courtier. <laughs> right. I was just like, I'm really confused. Like, I ain't no spy master. I ain't no courtier. And now you're telling me that I have an assignment, but you don't have the details. I have to go talk to more. What is this? <laughs> yeah, it's just so awkward and weird. And, you know, it's so Cassie is finally like, um, okay, so I'm to deal with the queens and train Nesta. And then he looked at Reese and he's like, well, we're in for a long few months. Yeah, like, thanks, buddy. This is about to be the shittiest season of my life. 
And the kicker is how Reese responds, which is, you certainly are. I know. I don't. Now, like, eh, some of that depends on delivery. Like, I kind of thought it when I read it. I was like, I guess there are a few ways you could read this that it could be more the two of them, like, ribbing each other. But I don't know. It still all feels whack to me. So, yeah. But we get a snowflake. Woohoo! Like I said, I'm still glad that these snowflakes are back. And now we are, like, getting ready to, like, take Nesta, okay? Like, we're going over, like, well, she didn't pack. But, you know, did you pack your toothbrush? Um, but more importantly, did somebody pack her only set of fighting leathers because she's going to need them? <laughs> and I'm like, this feels like if we were going to send her away, we really could have, like, we have all the money in the world. Um, couldn't we have like bought her a few outfits and just had them waiting at the house of wind for her? Like, I, I don't, I don't really know why we are counting on her have keep, like counting on the angry bitch, keeping the one set of Lyran leathers that she wore in a war where her father died. And she had to like momentarily deal with her feelings for Cassian and then never talk of it. Like, why would she keep them? Why would she? Exactly. She did, which is weird. <laughs> so I don't know. I just, again, I don't understand this. We have all the money in the world. Like when Pharaoh was coming to see Reese, we had a whole fucking like room ready for her when she'd show up. I just really feel like we could have given Nesta three sets of Illyrian leathers waiting at the House of Wind and not worried about it so much. Exactly. But whatever. So it's fine. Um... <laughs> Uh, more comes because this is, again, this is so weird. <laughs> more comes because more is going to winnow them up to the house because of the whole fucking shit. You can't winnow in the house. You have to winnow up to the house, fly up to the house. I still don't really understand why we don't ever just fly straight to the house. That part has never made sense to me, but whatever. I guess just time saving. Fuck if I know. I guess. I, fuck if I know. And then we're going to winnow up to the house and then, you know, do the fucking free fall fly shit. But the part of this is that's so stupid is that Moore is here to do this literally for one reason and one reason only, which is that Reese and Feyre are going to be too busy fighting and having sex to possibly deal with this. Exactly. Again, feels really weird to me. But then again, this is the couple who like fucked while there was literal people dying outside of their tent. So maybe not so weird. <laughs> yeah I, I don't know um it is weird it's awkward it's super weird also i guess more has been gone for a while because now everybody's like a little weird kind of being like how are you like it's great to see you and uh, we have like no fucking context for this um we just know that she's doing the thing where she's like i'm great don't worry about it i came back a day early and i'm ready to winnow you and we'll talk about my problems later um very fucking weird <laughs> yeah awkward yeah. very just, fucking weird i mean i sort of get it i've been in the room where like like you and i particularly we have been in like meetings together where people would be like are you okay and we're like uh-huh yeah totally fine you and i are looking at each other like mm -mm, later 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 we're gonna <laughs> not here that. but later <laughs> so i mean you're me when i'm throwing down right 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 so i sort of get what we're doing here but it also feels fucking like i said it still just feels contrived and weird it does. Um, but it's fine. <laughs> the plan is that they're going to take her to the house. Okay, this is the other thing, too. We're talking to her like she's five, okay? <laughs> like, 
Today, we'll let you get settled at the house. You can unpack your things. Get some rest if you want. (laughs) Okay, I'm pretty sure she was going to put that shit together, like, on her own. Um, But fine, whatever. More... Okay, I'm just going to throw out there that I recently saw a TikTok that was like, I fucking hate more and Amarin, like, is what the person was saying. She was like, I don't like them. I don't think they're well written. I don't think they're nice people. And I don't understand what function they even fucking play in the story. And I argued that I understand the function that Amarin plays, but I truly have no idea. Like, I don't mind more so much, but I truly feel like we have no idea why the hell she's there. Other than we just decided we needed some more, like, something to break up the testosterone in the room. I think she is ultimately going to have a purpose. I just don't know. I'm not convinced because then I just noticed like other people, again, talking at like being in the Facebook groups and stuff is fascinating. Cause then I know somebody else pointing out that we're only promised basically two more books. Right. Well then based on what we know, it's gotta be an Elaine book because why okay. would you do two sisters and not the third? So it has to be an Elaine book. Well, the other book's not going to be more of all fucking people. I don't know. So Maybe. we were all like, that doesn't make any sense. So yeah, I don't know. I have no idea why more is here. I, whatever. But well, like. It's, it's two more books and a novella. True. So, so maybe more will get a novella. Yeah. Then right. maybe more will get a novella. But anyway, all of that to say, my point is, I, for the people who are saying that, I've seen more TikToks lately. Somehow I ended up on like the more hating side of TikTok. <laughs> and I kind of get it like i don't love or hate her i think she just exists and she says some fun shit and like whatever i don't think she's particularly well fleshed out like you said i there's could be an argument made that she could be well fleshed out i'm not saying she couldn't be but as of now she isn't but then she does do some stupid like just i don't care if this is from nessa's perspective or cassian's perspective she says some stupid ass shit sometimes she does because she literally in front of everyone knowing that that bullshit about like that she has to fill Cassian about and just says in front of everyone like congratulations on your promotion Cassian the courtier I never thought I'd see the day like don't be a dick about it okay like we have big like we we have a thing happening here like we need to take Nesta and Nesta fucking hates you and this is not helping like Not only does is that the case, but Nesta hasn't spoken a word, which means she's so upset. She's not talking to any of them. Right. So, like, let's slow this whole process down and be a dick about it. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I- he does tell Nesta because she's he knows she's not happy about this. And he's like, yeah, still a bastard. Still a bastard born nobody. Don't worry. But the thing is, is and and that's the thing, because we're getting Nesta's perspective, we're going to see this later in this chapter, that's not why Nesta's mad. Nesta's mad at more for talking about Cassian the way that everybody fucking talks about Cassian. Right. And, like, I think that's what is so weird to me in this book. Like, coming into it, I knew that, like, some of the story would be kind of like, Cassian, the, the you know, the, the kind of himbo of the book is going to have to get his shit together. Like, I sort of understood that that was going to be a function of his character and where we were going to go with this a little bit. Like, duh, you know, we didn't write him this way for multiple books to not do that. So I sort of get it. But, like, I just feel like this book hits you over the head that I'm like, wow, have they really been talking to him like this the whole time? Because if they have, why is he their friend? <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I agree. 
it's awkward. <laughs> yeah, like they're way meaner to him. <clears throat> they're way meaner to him than I feel like we ever got from the Feyre perspective. So I don't know if they just didn't do it around Feyre or what. But then again, we can't blame this being a Nesta thing because some of this is from his perspective. <laughs> Exactly. So this is literally what they're saying to him. Or even if it's not, it's what he's hearing from them, which is equally as bad. And equally as disturbing. Uh, uh, but yeah. So anyway, that goes great. And I don't know why more won't shut. Like, why can't more read the room and shut the fuck up? That's not her talent, apparently. <laughs> apparently not. Uh, so anyway, uh, we get our elbows out so that we can all like link arms and winnow, you know, like we do. <laughs> sometimes we have to carry people, but sometimes we just fucking like elbows out. It's fine. <laughs> um, and right before they leave, uh, Feyre and Cassian kind of have a moment where like Cassian reads like on Feyre's face, kind of like a multitude of, I think, emotions where it's kind of like, hey, thank you for doing this. Also fucking good luck with this. And also like. I really think we're making the right decision. Please don't be mad at me. <laughs> exactly. So there's that. But then for no fucking reason that I can understand, Moore is just like cringing about this whole thing. Yeah. And I just, again, like read the fucking room. Anyway, her cringing makes Nesta want to kill her, clearly. Um, but it's fine. Nobody dies and we get a snowflake. <laughs> and basically, Moore's windowed them to above the veranda at the House of Wind. And yep. she basically lets go with them. And Cassian has Nesta in his arms and Moore winnows away. Yeah. And, and then Cassian... he flies them like, yeah, straight down. Um <clears throat> Yeah, he flies them, like, straight down, and I'm laughing, and my, like, I laughed really hard when I read this, because I was like, well, one thing we have to give Nesta is she handles this a lot better than Feyre ever did, like, the first six times this happened. <laughs> True. Like, how many times was she like, oh my god, Reese is gonna kill us! Like, he's going to fly us into a tree! Like, stop! No, he's not! <laughs> But at least Nesta's like, this is fine. I mean, I'm mad about a lot of things in my life, but I don't think this is going to be the moment that I die. <laughs> like, fair. fair. She fair. has you pretty know. decent trust that Cassian doesn't want to smash the two of them into the concrete. <laughs> Thank goodness for small miracles. I, yeah, I, I get it. I'm with you. It's kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of hilarious to me. <laughs> Um, land. Nesta's yeah. like, gotta go, bye, leave me alone. Yeah, I was like, she is not life. precious about this at all. She's like, okay, like, go, I'm out. And, you know, I think it's interesting because Nesta's refusing to speak. And, and she still hasn't said a word. And she says in here, she'd refused, or silently refused, since she had not uttered a word to her sister after they'd left the study. Partially because she was afraid of what would come out. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. 
this goes back to like what I've always said about Nesta, which is I think that she fights because it's all she knows how to do. I don't yes. think it's necessary. Like, I don't think when she says mean things, she does it specifically to hurt people so much as she does to win the fight in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I don't think she gets any credit for that. And I think that's a, like, I'm kind of one of those people. Like, I don't really do that to people, but like, I will say things to make a point and then be like, okay, obviously I'm not actually going to do that. But like, now I have your attention. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And yeah. I think that like, a lot of times, like, I I'm always shocked when that like, I don't know. I'm always shocked when it's like, but you said, okay, did you hear nothing after I fucking said that though? Like, <laughs> did you hear none of the other 47 words that came after that one sentence? Like, apparently not. Good to know. <laughs> well, and, and I agree. It's, it, it's very, it's very interesting. And it's definitely um, a different take on all of this. Yeah. Yeah. So they look at each other awkwardly. <laughs> and then Cassie, I love it. And then Cassie's like, well, you'll be staying in your old room. Yeah. Really? I thought I was going to be sleeping in the bathtub. I mean, what? Right. She's just like, uh-huh. I just love that he's like, my room's a level above that. And she's like, why would I need to know that? Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't fucking know. I like, like, I feel bad for him. Cause you know, he's like, I literally am just telling you because I don't know if the place is on fire. You might want to know where I am. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. Maybe because you want to know if you hear footsteps next door, you shouldn't. Because <laughs> like, I'm upstairs. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, poor dude. Poor dude. <laughs> anyway, they they start heading down to her room, and I there is something really interesting that she says in here in her mind, you know, in her, yeah. in her internal monologue. I can't talk today. It's been a long day. Um, <laughs> she says it wasn't a home. She goes, "What is it?" She says. She walked through the door he held open for her, nearly sighing at the cozy warmth filling the redstone halls. Her new residence. Sleeping site. It wasn't a home, this place, just as her apartment hadn't been a home. Neither had her father's fancy new house before Highburn had half-destroyed it, and neither had been the cottage or the glorious manor before that. Home was a foreign word. And I'm like, girlfriend's never felt like she's been in a home. Like, she doesn't know what that even feels like. Yeah. Well, shit, no wonder she's fucked up. No, for real. And I thought, and like, for me, that hit home because I'm the opposite. I can very easily adopt wherever the fuck I am and get comfortable. And that is home now. Like, I'm that person who, like, if I'm in a hotel for a week, I'll be like, okay, let's go home. And I mean the hotel. And that's because the home is wherever the fuck I'm going to sleep and the bulk of my shit is. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, my home is wherever I'm hunkering down and hoping I don't die tonight and locking the door. Like, you know. I mean, like, that could be a hovel. It doesn't really matter to me. Like, home is wherever I'm going to go not be doing the outside world shit anymore. <laughs> Pretty much. I'm with you. 
So I'm like, wow, I can literally adopt any old fucking place with like a blankie and a pillow and call it home. And this bitch has never felt that. Oh my God. (laughs) I have to admit it was the first time that I actually was like, I kind of understand this crazy girl. Yeah. So I I guess that's the positive. (laughs) I mean, she does acknowledge she knows this part of the house well, that, you know, the dining room is on one side, the stairway on the other will take her down to... We'll take her down two levels to the floor she's on. The floor below that is the kitchens. The floor above that is where Cassian's room is. And then the library is far, 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 far below. So. Yeah. I have to say, for the first time in a while, like, this at least kind of makes sense. It it feels like a SJM description. Yeah, it does. And then it's also interesting too, like it turns into a whole thing where because she's remembering like the last time they were here, like with Elaine, and then all of a sudden she like goes off on this whole thing where she's like Elaine, who had somehow become the adjusted one. Yeah. And like that has to be a punch in the fucking face. I can only imagine. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just I and it and like the thing about it is, and it sounds so stupid, but like it totally makes sense. Like it to, it actually totally makes sense because while Elaine was like <laughs> at the forefront of this bullshit, traumatized because she left her fiance and yeah, blah, I don't do lifey things well. Uh, yes, she was at the battles and stuff, but she, she, I hate to say it, but like things just happened to Elaine. Like (laughs) Elaine wasn't part of it. So like, I don't think that some of the emotional trauma is there versus like Nesta immediately is like bullet pointing her emotional trauma in the last few months where she's like, um, you know, she had stepped into the world with these people and started to see a future until she'd been hunted by the King of Highburn and the Cauldron, until she'd realized that everyone she cared for would be used to hurt her, break her, trap her, until that last battle when she couldn't stop 1,000 Illyrians from dying and had instead been able to save only one, him. She would do it again if forced to, and knowing that, she couldn't bear that truth either. Like, we gave Elaine a lot of space to be mad about the Lucian thing. We gave Nesta zero space to be confused about Cassian. Well, you know, that... I think... I'm not excusing that Nesta hasn't been a complete not right bitch. Right, no, absolutely. But I think everybody's trying to pigeonhole them pigeonhole her into what they think she is or should be and not letting her be her. But, you know, we can let Elaine do that and we can let Feyre do that. Right. And I think that's what's super weird. Like I said, and like, just think about the protective maneuver there of, oh, Elaine just got like, you know, oh, we like Elaine just turned into a Fae. Elaine lost her fiance. Elaine. Oh God. Elaine has a mate. Oh, we must keep him away from her because that'll just break her poor little heart. Meanwhile, we were just like, okay, I'm pretty sure Cassie and Anessa are mates, but we're just not going to fucking talk about it and make sure that they have to work together every fucking day. Like, yeah, it's definitely weird. Like, yeah, 
the behavior and how they treat people is so not normal. It, what it is is exactly what you see in the world all the time, which is you look at people who appear weak, assume they are weak, and then you protect them. And the ones who are strong, you never ask. And unfortunately, that is why the suicide rate of those people is so high. Yeah, true. Because nobody ever asked. The number of times when somebody dies, you will hear people close to them say, we had no idea. That should be a lesson to the rest of us that when we're like looking at the world, those people who look like they're okay, maybe we should ask them sometimes because they're probably not okay. Yeah. Pay attention to them, not... The ones who look like they need help and are actively getting a lot of help, let them get the help they need and carry on. But the ones who are getting zero support, check on them. Especially if they're the ones pushing everybody away, because the chances are they're pushing everybody away because they don't know how to handle everything. Right. And so their so, way of handling it is to try to isolate themselves. Right. So that's pretty much how this is going. <laughs> pretty much. Um, you know, it's very, again, kind of awkward. She They get to her room and... and She's, she does this mental check of, you know, she knows that the house belongs to Reese, knows Cassian's entire existence was paid for by him, just as Reese bankrolls the entire inner circle. And she also points out she knows that the fastest and deepest way to annoy Cassian, hurt him, would be to strike for that, to make him doubt the work he did and whether he deserved to be here. So, I mean, she's, like, scary smart because she already knows yeah. some of the strongest weapons to use against people. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's unnerving. Well, but what's interesting is, it's like, what that also says is that for somebody who you look at and assume is not very empathetic, she must be very, very good at reading people. Uh, exactly. She's super tuned in. Like, for somebody that everybody acts like, oh, she's not paying any attention, like, she absolutely is. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. I just, yeah. Like, just because she's not, mm, yeah, like I said, like, I guess empathetic doesn't mean she's still not a people reader, you know? Not only that, I think she's far more intuitive than people are giving her credit mm -hmm. for. You know, he tells her she needs to eat a hot meal. And Nesta's like, I don't want one. And Cassian, I mean, this is an interesting conversation. I've been through this conversation on my own with friends, and I've been on both sides of this conversation. And it's, I don't want one. Why? Because I'm not hungry. And she's like, it's true. Her appetite had been the first thing to go after that battle. Only instinct and the occasional social requirement to appear like she gave a shit about anything kept her eating okay yeah and again probably and now some of that is because you push people away so there's nobody there to see it but i don't even think if she was in the room every fucking day anybody would have noticed well that's not fair cassian probably would have noticed but the rest of them i guarantee you would have just been like oh she had a plate i didn't pay attention if she ate it or not exactly and that's kind of sad, too. Yeah. So, I I don't know. 
course, Cassian has to reinforce that you were given an order. And the alternative for not following said order, it's your choice. And she realizes she doesn't really have an order, an, an option, because going back to the human lands would be a death sentence for her. Um, she truly had nowhere else to go. Uh, you know, but she acknowledges Elaine had at least found her place here and had made friends and had found ways to fulfill her, to fulfill herself. However, Nesta really hasn't. And I think that's part of what's really driving this. This is a good example of how, like, some people don't know themselves very well. Like, you know how, like, you'll ask somebody, like, oh, if you could do anything you wanted, like, what would you do? Or if you had a million dollars, like, what would you do? And some people literally can't tell you anything because they've never had the time or space to, like, build a hobby. You know what I mean? Like, they have no fucking idea. And I think that's the thing, is, like, Elaine, for all of her, like, quiet weirdness or whatever, she has what she likes. She likes to do her, like, happy homemaker routine and play with her garden and, like, make bread with the ghosty girls and what the fuck ever, probably embroider some shit in a corner. Like, you know, like, (laughs) I think, you know, she has hobbies that she had before versus what I think we're really realizing is what I always suspected even back in Akatar when they had first, you know, <laughs> moved with their magic money <laughs> to their new home. I don't think, I think literally Nesta has had nothing forever. Nesta's only hobby was basically when they were in the cottage, she did like limited things around the house and spent all of her time trying to berate their father into being a father and trying to protect Elaine. And then once she realized that like all of this was a bunch of bullshit, even though they had their money back that like she could see through the glamour, she was just probably about protecting Elaine. And that was basically it. We know that the only other plan she had was potentially like getting on a ship and never looking back. Right. So like, I don't think she's ever had a hobby. You know what I mean? She's never had, like, until post-war bullshit, that's how she ended up in a fucking, like, apartment alone with no, you know what I mean? Like, absolutely. she's just not a well-adjusted person anyway, (laughs) let alone after all of this trauma. (laughs) Like, Farah had painting, and it was like a whole thing where it was like, she couldn't paint anymore, and that was you know, awful. And then she started to be able to paint. Elaine couldn't garden. And then she started to garden. What the fuck is Nesta's hobby? Reading. I mean, well, yeah, I guess that's it. Like, and that's, I, uh, yeah, like I don't. And even that, you wonder if she just picked after they had money. I doubt that that was her hobby when they had no money because think about like this world. Books are probably expensive. I'm assuming this is like ye old day of printers. Like, <laughs> so i don't know i guess it's just interesting to me because again it just blows my mind that like nobody has ever apparently like this did not cross Feyre or elaine's mind up until now it's not crossing their minds even now (laughs) that's certainly a very fair statement so yeah um she you know her own depression has kicked in and if we all recall in Akamath, Farah's like, I'm tired. Yeah. So 
she says it too. I'm tired. And, you know, Cass is like, yep, all right, go. More Reese will take us up there. And, you know, he's like, we'll start easy. Two hours of training, then lunch, then you'll be brought back here to meet with Clotho. And she is just so and mentally and emotionally and physically exhausted from the depression. Yeah. That she's like, whatever. She didn't even have, you know, the energy or desire to ask any other questions. Or to argue with him. Like, this is very much reading. And that's why this feels, we're starting to feel more like what we're used to. This feels very reminiscent of Akamath, where constantly there there became a point where Reese realized that the only way he could get her out of her bubble was to toy with her and Cassian is kind of I think picking up on that but he's also picking up on like the saddest thing we know like Reese ever said where it was like come on play with me play with me and she wouldn't you know what I mean and, and I think Cassian's kind of there too it's like he's not bothering to ask more questions or say anything else or poke at her because what good would it do she's literally like catatonic at this point Fair. Totally fair. But ultimately, we just get like two more pages of that, of her being very tired, going to her room, musing on the fact that she like has no fucks and no idea what she's going to do. And I just like the like last section of this where it just says Nesta's body became distant, foreign, as she shut the heavy gray velvet curtains against the light, shrouding the room in darkness bit by bit. She ignored the three bags and two trunks set aside the dresser as she approached the bed. She barely managed to tow off her shoes before she slid beneath the layers of white down blankets and quilts, closed her eyes, and breathed and breathed and breathed. Yes. Poor baby. <laughs> no, I mean, been there, done that. That sucks. Yeah. Uh, and then we're in chapter four, and it's more... Okay, so that's where we're ending today, because as we mentioned earlier, we were going to do one through six. And that's because we were thinking like early Akatar days where we were doing like these big chapter chunks. And I don't know, things have changed. Maybe we just delve into characters more now, or maybe we do more quotes, or maybe it's just, I don't know, maybe maybe it's just because the books are so much longer. <laughs> I do think part of it is we do delve into the characters more, especially now that we know these characters and well, we're so familiar with these characters. That's absolutely true. So anyway, we were going to do one through six, like we said, but once we had gone through one through three, we realized we had so much audio and we had talked about so many different things that we didn't want to cut out that I think lay good groundwork for like, you know, everybody's character and dealing with the like new POVs and stuff. So we're just going to leave it here. That being said, we don't have songs because the songs were picked for one through six (laughs) so we'll just do all of them next episode okay which means you guys have a little more time to go in and get into the discord and add your song suggestions there and ideas and comments and thoughts and we've read one through six so please feel free to discuss up through one yeah we're not going to talk about how this time i'm reading ahead and it's really confusing me anyway um I just love I just love Cassian so much. Anyway, um. my favorite. Everybody thinks I'm, so, I'm like Cassian's my favorite. What are you, you talking know, about? Him. And I also just like really feel for Nesta. I just I don't know. I think it's it's eldest sister vibes. Um, we all have similar traumas. Um, that 
being said, uh, like I said, go join us in the Discord. Uh, I, I can't like tell you the Discord because there may be a fancy way to make it like Discord dot blah blah blah, but I don't know what it is. So it's like HG Hockey Stick two four three two nine. So fuck if I know. So just go click the link. But I do know our socials. <laughs> Facebook at Massive Fans Book Club and Podcast, Twitter at Massive Podcast, Instagram at Massive Fans Podcast, Pinterest at Massive Fans, and TikTok at Massive Fan Pod. I've been watching a lot of TikToks lately. I still don't know how I got on hate on more side of TikTok, but I'm not going to do anything about it. Website, <laughs> MassiveFansBookClub.com. <laughs> okay, it's been a long episode. Man, I'm so glad to be back in Akatar world. <laughs> Okay, bye!